My name is Patch. I can't tell you my last name. I can't tell you where I live. But I can tell you that this is The Axe Files, a show where a handful of weirdos talks about every single Animorphs book in order. And I'm joined by the most wanted criminal this side of the Andalite homeworld, it's Vivian. I, I finally can maybe make my own opinion about Zira now. <laughs> <laughs> and of course we're also joined by the most elegant screen on Earth, it's Kate. I have now read this book a million and one times. Hey! <sighs> <laughs> kind of is the best one of them all so far, huh? <laughs> it's really good, and I read this a lot as a kid. <laughs> um, I guess mostly because I really like Axe. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 one of the uh, the the best books in the early like in in the uh, it's one of the best earlier books. <laughs> oh, certainly. There's so there's I'm gonna sorry, be no. a lot coming up that's I feel that's definitely on this level, but this is the first time yeah. we really get a taste of it. <laughs> yeah, I would say that the that um our last Rachel book was was up there. Uh, yeah, for seven sure. seven was also up there. I mean, the last couple books have been very good, um, and this one is is not disappointing. Uh, of course, at the end of this episode, we'll talk about the next book we we are. Um, where we're doing because like uh, unlike most of our books we're actually finishing this one in two yep um but yeah it's it's, yeah, it's still so... strange how this one is a little shorter than the others but feels longer just because the chapters are longer than more than mostly just like a page and a half <laughs> well i mean then it's probably the same length just divided up differently um possibly yeah. but because it's divided up differently and because of the way we do this uh we ended up having to read more yeah otherwise more we would have had three, like oh, if no, we did we the usual read more of the book uh how terrible yeah well <laughs> guess what i have like i don't know not everyone like reads super fast like you do and i, I have guess a that's very fair, yeah a very hard and time-consuming job and energy-consuming job so you know like <laughs> yeah oh no we had to read more of the book maybe maybe speak for yourself <laughs> well we like the books <laughs> I do like the books. It's just, it's just, it's just, uh, you know, it's, I'm glad I'm doing this. It is, it is still. Yeah, when, when you get to be a certain age, you also have other things you have to do, like grocery shopping. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. Which I, I don't do enough. I often find, I'm like, well, shit, I'm just kind of like, don't have food now. What am I going to do? <laughs> I guess I'll, I guess that's what DoorDash is for. Yes. I suppose. Or you could do what I do and subsist on a diet entirely comprised of hot dogs. Yeah, yeah I... maybe maybe don't do that. <laughs> if I did that, I would die. I don't know what kind of crazy alien metabolism you have. But... <laughs> well, you, well, you see, uh, they just go around and just as they're walking around in the grass, they absorb the nutrients. They don't have to worry about food. <laughs> <laughs> I, actually, I actually do have problems with how andalite digestion is like explained in this book yeah it's, we'll get to that it's interesting we'll get to that. i i have i have a, I have, a, I have a long rant i'm gonna have to make it's gonna involve ruminants and uh you know stuff like that um I'm but looking we'll get forward to, that. to it yeah <laughs> all right uh well let's go ahead and jump in since we've got a long uh set today i am starting with chapter 10 which i have titled tail blades in the dark um 
Everyone leaves. Uh, Axe has dinner uh, because he likes to eat at night whenever possible because he doesn't want to be seen. So he's just kind of wandering around through the forest, pretending to be a deer, you know. But <laughs> he's really conflicted about a lot of stuff that's going on. And he stops as he looks at the sky and thinks about how his home is billions of miles away and how bad it hurts to be that far away from home. But he really... You know, warriors have to overcome. He doesn't have time to focus on his loneliness, even if he doesn't have the word for that yet. So now he's just staring at the broad sky thinking of home, but now it's even worse than usual because he's figured out that he could use that radio telescope to become a long-range Z-space communicator. And so, like, he could call home, but then he would absolutely, unquestionably have broken the law. So it's like... Do I call home and be branded a criminal, or do I stay lonely forever? Uh-oh. <laughs> I feel like if you just used alien technology for, like, a purpose that you needed to use it for, and then erased any evidence of that, that's, like, different. I'm not really sure why Yeah, it, is... that's something I have to bring up later on. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Because there's problems with how others interpret this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like it's a matter of, like, evidence, right? Even No matter how good you are at destroying evidence, there's always going to be something. Think of the Star Trek episode where they had a space battle, and because of that, uh, some guys on a planet figured out warp travel. <laughs> I guess but, so. Like, it doesn't make any sense. I don't understand how that's possible, but just watching through a telescope, <laughs> these guys figured out how to build a warp engine, so... <laughs> oh, not even, like, reverse engineering? They just watched the fight, and they're like, oh, that's how that works. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that that's a hot garbage. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> I guess you could, like, observe the, like, bends in space-time that warp travel creates, and then be like, oh, so these ships are creating these. How can we do that? But then there's, like, a whole bunch of, like, engineering questions you'd have to answer. You'd have to find a... I mean, to get dilithium, you'd have to find, a, <laughs> uh, like, a way to create antimatter. You'd have to find a way to channel antimatter so you'd create a warp field. Like, if they could do that, they would already be pretty close to warp travel already, you know? <laughs> the point is, maybe Axe builds this telescope, and someone's watching him through a different telescope, and they figure out how to use space. <laughs> Oh, weird. That's like a weird, like, horror scorpion, but he's pretty smart, so... <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, he he really decides... He, he, he can't do it, because he just can't make himself break the law. Ciro's kindness is too important. And yet, the thing is, is he's already done it, because he gave the software to the humans. So, like, really, if he goes in, then he's doing the right thing, so maybe he should just do it while he can, you know? You gotta destroy it. The classic two wrongs make it right. This is supposed to be like a weird justification that mm -hmm. isn't really like. But also, I think this logic is completely valid. Like, he already gave the technology to the humans. As long as he's gonna go in and erase it, he should probably use it to like call the Ed Lights and tell them what's up, you know? Yeah. Like, that's the smart thing to do. Like, none of them know, know what's, what's going on on Earth. This. So. He should be stressing about the fact that he did accidentally give, uh, like advanced technology yeah. to humans well, because I mean, being stupid. That's, but... that's squarely on him for thinking yeah. that uh, Marco's dad's work was a video game for children. <laughs> yeah, well, that's like, that's already done, though. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, that's already done. But still, so maybe, just, maybe, like, maybe don't fuck about with somebody's computer just because you see it there. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, well, nobody's I mean, here like, to catch I, me fucking with it, so... If, it, if anyone, okay. like, got on my computer and started messing around with my permission, I'd be like, what the fuck are yeah. you doing? <laughs> like, that's, that's my, like, that's my, that's part of my space. That's like, you know, that's like going into someone's house without asking, you know? Yeah. Like, so mm-hmm. much of our, so much of our lives is on our computers and our phones. It's, it's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel it's, it's, so, I feel like I feel self-conscious if I even have like a browser open when I leave my computer on mm-hmm. idle. If I have like my, you know, curtains open and everything, and I leave because it's like, well, somebody could, if they really mm-hmm. want to do, they could peer in through the windows and look at what mm-hmm. I'm looking at. I don't know. Maybe maybe Andalites just aren't as invested in digital spaces. Maybe Andalites are like not on their phones all the time and instead enjoying life. You know, <laughs> they're they're literally out there touching grass instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, actually, I mean, actually also, have to do that yeah. to live. Like, and, and also, like, I mean, being fair, Axe has also mentioned that books are a better invention than computers, which is like, huh? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that well, books are pretty cool, I can, but <laughs> I can see where he's coming from, given that like computers in the '90s took. A, True. a billion years but he's to, also uh, to load he's, an internet page. He's an alien from another planet with way higher te- advanced technology. Do you think their computers <laughs> are pretty better than what ours are in the 2020s? <laughs> but I, I heard I heard a story from my, my parents about my uncle, who I have problems with, but I'm not going to get into those. Mm-hmm. But he was like a big uh, computer guy in like the 80s and 90s. And he was super excited about the internet back when like nobody thought the internet was going to be a thing. Mm-hmm. Um and I remember, uh, like, a story they told me about him just, like, super excited about, like, a picture of the, the uh, like, some space shuttle. Mm-hmm. Uh, just that he could, like, load up on his computer. And it took, like, two minutes to load. And he was, like, excitedly showing my dad this. And my dad's like, it's a, it's a picture and it takes two minutes to load. Like, what's the big deal? And he's like, this is gonna be big! And... And unfortunately, like right, unfortunately, but... we're kind of back at uh, things taking ages to load because the internet's just getting kind of fucked over by like a handful of billionaires now. I mean, it depends on where you go. If True. it's if it's if it's Twitter, then yes. But also, why on Twitter? Like, mm, why? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I I I I understand. I don't know. I never got a Twitter, mm-hmm. so. I don't see the big deal. <laughs> yeah. I but maybe mean, for... if I had gotten on Twitter, I'd gotten invested in the platform, mm-hmm. I would. Yeah. Like, for me, it's mostly just, like, following, like, artists and stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But like, also, well, you can I see their pages. Where... Yeah, I need to you know where y'all... You can see their pages. That... Hey, go on. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, like, having to struggle to still figure out where some mm-hmm. of them actually have their stuff besides Twitter, because it's, like, even a lot of them are, like, yeah, Twitter's now trying to do a bunch of AI bullshit as of, like, sometime, like, I think next week, and oh boy, <laughs> anything you post there, they are going to try to claim theirs, and that's just, that's I feel, like, I feel like if anyone started a social media platform that was like, hey, we're not fucking dumb like Twitter yet, and we don't steal your your data and sell it to foreign dictators well, like ha- Meta does. Have we got the platform for you? It's called Co-Host. <laughs> <laughs> Co-host intentionally is like, yeah, everything that Twitter has a problem with, we ain't fucking with. We're not letting Nazis and hate speech on our site. Mm-hmm. Also, we're not doing AI bullshit. I thought maybe Mastodon could be that, but then I yeah. like when I heard they when they heard they called they called their posts toots. I'm like, no, that's never gonna. That's never gonna. That's never gonna take off. I guess Chost is still technically better, right? For the co-host equivalent. <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's just like literally just call your post farts. Like that's, you might as well. Yeah. You know? 
Uh, I, I gotta go make a wicked shit here on this website. <laughs> <laughs> just imagining one that just calls it shitting or shatting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, I, I saw I saw Austin Walker shat on uh, shot a picture of his latest uh, tabletop game here. <laughs> anyway, we got off topic. Yep. Uh, it's to be expected. <laughs> what um, happens next? Yeah, so Axe reminisces a little bit about when he was a kid and meeting Ulfangor, because Ulfangor was, like, already a super warrior guy who everyone loved, so he basically, like, he didn't meet Axe until he came home on leave. Axe was already old enough to understand the concept of being the most important person in the family, so, like, they clearly don't get enough shore leave in the, in the light military, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, um... He was, uh... Honestly, Elfongor was already gone when Axe was born, so, like, <laughs> he's been in this yeah. way too long. Um, but so they ran together, and uh, it was important to him. It was the first time Axe really felt clumsy, and Elfongor seemed like a creature out of myth to him, and it just, it really impressed him, especially that Elfongor didn't, like, try to big brother him. He was just himself. He was a cool guy, and he respected Axe as a person, which I think is a lot of the time the only thing kids want. But... <laughs> I'm not really sure what a big brother lecture is, but then again, I'm an only child, so... <laughs> yeah, uh... <laughs> I mean, can't say I ever had that, even though I technically, I mean, by all biological means, do have one. That he's always sucked. <laughs> Uh, it's a thing. I don't... There's... I, I can't even talk about it. There's a vibe, right? There's a specific way that... It... <laughs> <sighs> Alas. The frailties of language. Um... <laughs> but yes, so back in the present, Axe is running, and he's... He realizes that he's near Cassie's farm. He didn't think he had gotten this close. So he turns around to leave, but Cassie is here. And uh, specifically, she is uh, in mid-morph. She's like got a human face and body, but she has hooves and a mane. And <sighs> I don't know why she doesn't hang out like this more often. This seems fun. But um, she does ask him not to tell Jake that she does this, because while she likes riding around as a horse, he would be mad at her for morphing, because they're not supposed to do that outside of missions. And... Everyone does it, though. Like, everyone does it. <laughs> yeah, it, it is pretty funny how they're always like, no morphing for your own benefit, and then they all immediately fucking do it yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the only thing that matters is if the others are around to see it. <laughs> <laughs> and if they find out later, it's fine, because they weren't there. They have the object permanence of a goldfish. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Axe points out that Jake wouldn't be mad because he likes her so much. You know, how they're always, like, sneaking away to hold hands. Don't worry about it. And Cassie just says that Axe wasn't supposed to see that, so... <laughs> and she changes the subject. It's funny how, like, kids this age are so concerned with how other people view them, but then also so bad at hiding things. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Isn't it just? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a weird contradiction, and it leads to a lot of awkwardness. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, so Cassie changes the subject real quick to talking about uh, Axe studying humans, and he's... 
hesitant, but the answer he's come up with is really interesting, and he's decided that the Yurks actually have a second reason to enslave humanity, and that is because they are afraid of humans. And Cassie's, like, she thinks this is very funny, because she assumes that X has just been reading about all the history of human wars, but the, the actual answer is that, really, it's, uh... <sighs> humans are smart and fast and dangerous like from 1896 when we discovered radioactivity we detonated atomic weapons in 45 uh this is really fast apparently by the uh, definitions of space species but i do want to mention here there's a little note axe says and i'm quoting here and the hort used to have a biological time clock that set them all warring every 62 years that's not true. That's that is, definitely retcon later. That's, yeah, yeah, that is super yeah, not a I, thing. That was that was a very weird thing reading that of like, oh, like the Hork Bajir just has like a little ding go off in all their heads at the same time, being like, ah, I guess we're fighting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know yeah. what the deal is with this, but this is so far from what the Hork Bajir are. <laughs> Yeah, especially also because like ever since we were introduced to them way back from uh, Fanger, he's like they're they're peace loving people. They've yeah, never been war uh-huh. people. They've never been war guys. <laughs> they have, they've always been seed guys, and now they're war guys all of a sudden. It's also just like when the Horkbajir get more development, this seems very weird. Yeah, um, really. Yeah, it, it, I mean, I guess... it's just probably one of those things that was like, oh, we thought of this, and then it was like, uh, that actually doesn't really fit with what we've established or yeah. where we want to go, so let's just change it covertly. Like, I could see it kind of considering, and this is like, I'm trying to dance around a spoiler here, mm-hmm. yeah. considering the origin of the hork but... um, I don't think it makes sense considering the origin of the hork like... I, th- uh, it I just think it, I think it does. I think it does. But we can talk about that during the Horkvizier Chronicles. We will have to, assuming we remember yeah. this one-off sentence. Well, <laughs> I um, imagine we... I will. I imagine we'll get to that, and we'll remember us having this conversation earlier, and then it'll remind well, me. If d- not, don't worry. Um... We only have to get through like fourteen more books before we get there. I just checked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, but the point is that Axe thinks that. Um, you know, if the Yurks don't destroy humanity now, then they suspect within 50 years humans will do FTL travel, and, like, who knows what happens after Which that. We've, we've yes, been, yes. like, half of that by now, right? Hmm? <laughs> roughly, roughly since these books are released and took place in, we've, like, spent, like, half of that and not figuring that out. <laughs> uh, well, this is 97, so we're at, like, 26 years, yeah? Yeah, so, like, we got, like, 24 more to figure out FTL travel, if Axe wants to be correct. <laughs> <laughs> Look, scientists, we have to we have to prove this fictional alien correct in his assumption. <laughs> we have to figure this shit out. Get on it. <laughs> you got twenty four years. <laughs> I don't think but, we're getting there. <laughs> yeah, uh, Cassie asks how long it took Andalites to do those, and he lies about not remembering. And Cassie knows that he's lying. She's she's figured out how to read him, I guess. So he immediately admits that he's bound by his oath and he cannot talk about anything. That he, like, it sounded pathetic, even to me, is the quote here. <laughs> so at least he's aware that this is, like, causing issues with his I, friends. I, I, guess, I guess I don't see how, like, saying how many years it took would actually, like, be saying anything, really. It's like, it's because not it's like a he, clue. 
Yeah, but he's not—he's not like being like, yeah, we figured it out by doing X, Y, Z, and then put it all together. He's not like giving intricate details. Like he's just saying how many years it would take. No, but if he says, well, from our first propulsed flight, it took us this many years, then that's a hint as to how they figured that stuff out. And that is unacceptable. That's a violation of Prime Directive, so... See, the thing is that the Andalites have a kind of severe cultural trauma. Yeah, you know, Uh, as we'll get into through the course of it. Yeah. But, yeah, I guess I just don't see it as much of, like, yeah, that's related to their Prime Directive equivalent. Like, oh, yeah, um, like, information like, about their history of their technology is still information about their technology. I guess. Yeah. I just don't see it as much that way, I guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, Cassie's point is that, like, hold on, Elfongor did that, though. He gave us the morphing power, so why can't you do it to help us beat the Yerks? And the answer that Axe has finally come to is that he's not Elfangor. Elfangor is big and famous and everyone knows him and loves him. He's like the best Andalite. Axe is just a kid. Like Elfangor might be able to get away with the reputation hit of having broken this law, but Axe absolutely can't. Which is weird considering what we hear later in the book, but we'll get to that. (laughs) So yeah, um, Cassie then decides to invite Axe to dinner. She, uh, tells him to morph to human and come on in. Because, uh, I guess she's trying to appeal to his, uh, taste buds to get information out of him, or she's just being <laughs> sympathetic. I don't know. I, I uh, think, I think, I think she's just being compassionate. She knows yeah. Axe is lonely. I think, I, you know? I read it more like that, but it's also just funny for her to just have the same, uh, thought process as with me of like, yeah, feed me to make me happy. but she's also like she wants she wants axe to have like some kind of connection she she knows that he's lonely and he's he's far away from people i don't think cassie would be like yes i have to get information out of this 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 alien i think i think she's like i want to make sure that he's okay yeah you know what i mean definitely not into the fact that she tells him the morph jig though Uh, yeah, it's kind of fucked that up. Feels but, like, like a violation of Jake's privacy. <laughs> yeah, especially because we know that we know that Axe is going to do some embarrassing shit. Like, yeah, that's predictable. <laughs> yeah, it's like I mean, eventually, um, like like a week later, when Jake is over, and they're like, "Oh, you love the chili so much, Jake. We made it again." He's like, "What the fuck happens?" <laughs> no, no, please, <laughs> Axe. What did no, you do? <laughs> anyway, let's get into that. Yeah. So, chapter 11, which I have titled Less Than Jake. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Less than or equal to Jake. (laughs) I mean, he looks like Jake, even if he's not exactly Jake. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Uh, So we open with a quick blurb about how Axe hates all human music. It's all terrible universally, so wow, my dude. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Also, uh, how much humanity, it's weird that we, like, ignore our best accomplishments, which are the cinnamon bun, the Snickers bar, the hot pepper, and the refreshing beverage called vinegar, which I don't feel like we ignore (laughs) any of those things, but also I don't think we invented the hot pepper, so. (laughs) No, yeah, the pepper is just a thing of nature. (laughs) Most, most, like, domesticated plants are in some, at like, some respect invented you know, like mm, the hot suppose. pepper, like the hot pepper has changed a lot. There's like lots of different breeds of it, different cultivars. It, 
you could argue that it is a human invention in the same way that like the dog is. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, yeah, the modern dog at least. Like dogs exist yeah. well, well, before we domesticated them, obviously. That's also complicated in in in, in this yeah. series, but you know what I mean. You know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's still some farming that's gone in that is affected uh, crops, basically, as we know them. <laughs> Alright, um... So Cassie Broccoli gets... Is from space, yeah. Never, oh, mind. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Cassie gets uh, Axe a pair of overalls and a shirt from the barn, so at the very least they have started keeping clothes in the barn. Good job, it took you eight books. Um, <laughs> but... She takes him inside, and Cassie's parents are happy to see Jake. They kind of assume that Cassie just helped, convinced him to help her with her chores in the barn again. And uh, no, he explains that actually she invited him here for dinner. Uh, and he does play with the syllables a little bit, but they kind of ignore this. So I guess either they expect Jake to be weird, or they are a lot smarter than they've let on so far. Um it turns out, though, that it is chili night, and Cassie tries to get Axe out of this, because chili is a frightening food. And I have to ask why in the world they let Cassie's dad cook this. Because the way Cassie and her mom react to this, I cannot imagine that they actually enjoy eating it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's mostly just the fact that he says he uses, like, the hottest spices known to mankind. And well, just like, we'll talk about that in a little bit. I, yeah. I think, I think it, might, it might be... Some families have a higher tolerance for spice than others, mm -hmm. and they recognize that other people do not share that tolerance. Now, it could be that both Cassie and Cassie's mom have an appreciation for this chili, but are still nervous about feeding it to other people. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, wow, it's taken us eight years to build up this tolerance. Jake is going to die. <laughs> well, yeah. the thing is, is that I still don't... Continuing the scene a little bit, they sit down and this the chili of doom is served, and there's also jalapeno cornbread to go with it, so that's... <laughs> Again, more spicy food. But uh, Axe is pretty nervous about the way everyone is talking about it, but he doesn't want to offend Cassie's dad, so even though he's afraid he's going to die if he eats this, he does try it. But uh, yeah, it is just unbelievably hot, and he loves it. He cannot help himself from shouting, this is a wonderful food at the top of his lungs. Um, <laughs> totally normal thing to do. And yeah. Ca Cassie's mom is entirely taken aback by this. She does not expect this. And this is the thing that really cements to me that Cassie and her mom do not like this food, because her dad just immediately goes, at last, someone who understands the joy yeah. of hot food. <laughs> he has created food that his family hates, and Sears serves it to them anyway. <laughs> uh, this is like the only time we actually have seen Cassie's parents so far, but I like them from this chapter. <laughs> they're great. I love them so yeah, much. Yeah, I love Cassie's parents. <laughs> I think Cassie's parents are probably my favorite of all the parent sets. <laughs> I think, I, think uh, I agree with you. I think Marco's dad is a close second. That is very fair, yes. Yeah, like, yeah. Marco's dad has had, like, the most, like, characterization and growth, I would say, so far. <laughs> oh, he gets, he gets more. He gets more. Oh, fun. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Um... Yeah, so Axe eats this full bowl in a matter of seconds, and he's talking about how, like, his his eyes are bulging out, and his skin is tingling, and his stomach is, like, making noises he doesn't recognize, but he still wants more, because the taste is so much. And, uh, Cassie's dad is just thrilled. He's finally found someone who will eat his cooking, and so he, he's, like, sort of doing the parent thing about joking whether that 
he can adopt this child, and <laughs> Cassie's mom assumes that he must have some sort of mental disorder because there's no other reason he would enjoy the chili. Uh, again, some people <sighs> just like spicy food. <laughs> it's just in Max's case, he's experiencing what it feels like to die, and he doesn't realize it. Cause he's like, "Wow, so much flavor." <laughs> 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 this is what dying feels like. <laughs> yeah. So Cassie's dad mentions once Cassie is like convinced Axe to stop devouring more of this stuff, that he used habanero chilies to make this, which he claims to be the hottest substance known to man. I don't know about 1997, but that's so not true today. Axe would be yeah. in absolute paradise, given the amount of variety of hot sauces we have available to us. Yeah, I, I, feel, like, I feel like habanero is like... So, to me, habanero is like the upper limit of spice... Where it's like, okay, this makes sense. Going beyond that, it's like, why? Why would you? You know, unless you're just trying to do a test of endurance, which, like, fair. I've eaten ghost pepper chips before. Mm -hmm. It's fine, you know? I, I have a very high tolerance for spice. Um, habanero is, like, the perfect amount for me. <laughs> um, like, pleasantly, pleasantly spicy. Um, I can go higher. Hobbit, Hobbit, but habanero is certainly not the spiciest pepper. No, definitely not. <laughs> I kind of think of it, and maybe this is the Texas, but to me, habanero is like the middle grade of spicy. And then after that, you get up into like Indian food spicy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see that. Uh, jalapenos are, are fucking nothing. Yeah, jalapenos. That's, that is the baby school. <laughs> that's the baby school. I, 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 I knew people all the time in New York who were like, jalapenos are so spicy, I can't eat them. And I'm like, you, you fool. You, <laughs> you absolute rube. Uh, <laughs> Imagining you as like the, uh, the, like, what you call it, like that meme of like the two guys being like, oh, I've done, through, I've gone through way more. And then like the third guy at the table who's like in a club being like, amateurs. amateurs. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Amateurs! <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, they, they start to have a little bit of a conversation, and X is weirdly good at faking his way through this compared to the way he's been in the past. Um, he knows enough, thanks to the World Almanac, that he can kind of just, like, push through this conversation. Although, I will note, he doesn't treat it like a conversation as much as a question game. Basically, like, Every time they ask him a question, he'll answer it, and then ask them one of his own, which is certainly a way to make a conversation work, but he's just changing the subject all the time. He's treating it like a a one-in-one -one game, rather than a conversation, if that makes sense. And then, uh, yeah, after that, uh, they watch television for a while. It doesn't say what they're watching, but it is a fictional depiction of a family. So, there you go. Could be any sitcom in the world. We don't have enough details. Um... And uh, Axe starts to think about the family that he's staying with, because uh, now he's staying with Cassie's family, and they're different than Jake's. He stayed with Jake's family a while back, and so, for instance, like, Jake's family pray before they eat, and Cassie's family don't, so that's weird. And uh, Jake's dad falls asleep when the family watches television, and in Cassie's family, it's her mom who does that, so... <laughs> I quickly looked this up to see, like, what were, like, the family sitcoms of 1996-ish. Uh, they could have been watching, like, Home Improvement. 
Oh, it's not home improvement. If it was home improvement, Axe would be going, ooh, forever. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What? Okay, I I specifically looked for family ones, and this just mostly gave me other stuff like, oh, The Simpsons and Frasier were on, and it's like, that's not family stuff. It could have been Sabrina (laughs) the Teenage Witch, though. (laughs) I mean, or family maybe. Sabrina's not really a family show, though. It's just her and her two aunts. Yeah, but they're—I mean—and they're—and they're cats. But like, it's like close. It's—I would still say they're a family. They are taking care of her. I guess, but they're only taking care of her because if she sees her mom, her mom will turn into a ball of wax forever. Eh, you know, sometimes it'd be that way. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not like they mistreat her. They still care about her. Uh, I mean, Salem's watch like... that show. Like, okay, m- m- they again, certainly be... care about her, but caring and mistreating are not. I think I think it would be funny if they were watching Third Rock from the Sun. <laughs> that would be good. Yes. <laughs> uh, anyway, X has to leave as Cassie's mom is passing out, and the thing because it's been two hours, so he has to demorph. But uh, yeah, Cassie's mom is still mostly asleep, but she still thinks Jake is pretty cute. So there's that at least. I guess I don't like necessarily that, but I think it's probably innocent here. Uh, Anyway, they get outside, and Cassie says that she'll walk him out to the forest until he can morph without being seen, and uh, since he's uh, enjoying the World Almanac so much, she's got another book for him. It's uh, just a book of famous quotes, which I guess is fine. It's not what I would give to someone as, like, reading material if they wanted to learn about the planet, but sure... It's definitely a book of things that got said. Well, I mean, um, he's, got, he's got to find out about famed historian Rolling Stone. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, as they're going, he asks why Cassie's dad has removed the hair from his head, because uh, he forgot to ask him. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's going bald, because this is a thing that happens to old people, and X didn't know about it, he compares it to his father's hooves getting dull. And, uh... Cassie takes this as an inroad to ask about Axe's parents, and he explains that they are just normal parents and very nice, but he can't really talk about them more than that because he misses them too much. It's like the homesickness is getting to him, he's choking up, and um, yeah, it's normal though, because an Andalite warrior has to spend many years in space. He may spend them away from all of his friends, but Cassie reminds him that, you know, he's... He might be a warrior, but he's still a kid. Like, this is okay. It's normal. And frankly, I don't think this enters into it. It's normal to miss the places you come from and the people you love. I don't care if you're an adult or not. That's yeah. a totally okay yeah. thing. Yeah. I, I, f- I feel like um, Axe is in the like young military cadet kind of mindset where he's like i gotta be a tough soldier i'm not yeah. allowed to have any emotions he's, whatsoever he's like every kid when they enter like junior high slash middle school where they're like i'm 13 now i'm an adult he's like i can't play pokemon he, anymore that's for babies <laughs> he, he's he, or, or or he's like uh uh you ever see like i'm thinking mostly of like an episode of doctor who i haven't actually seen a lot of these 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 films but like the like British military cadets. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. You know what I mean? Like, very repressed, very, like, f- like min- sort of manipulated by the adults in their lives into focusing on, like, the glory of war and the honor of the soldier. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, 
and and then like they you fucking go to war war one and see people's legs blown off and then you go back and you like you write lord of the rings because you're upset about that mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. like that that kind of mindset is is i think where axe is in he's like in the the uh uh, gotta gotta repress all of my emotions for the glory of yeah. of the Andalite people. <laughs> I mean, for a long time, that's just what British school was. So. Yeah, <laughs> like that's not to dive too deep into bad wizard boy book, but that's where the house system came from. It was to instill a sense mm-hmm. of competition amongst the boys, so yeah. they would be more warlike when that came to it. And feel like, I feel like, unfortunately, it is kind of impossible to avoid the like pop culture impact of the Bad Wizard Boy yeah, series. It's, it's kind of it, like it. Ha- it has, for, like, for for better and for mostly worse, it has actually influenced our culture a lot. Like, I was playing D anD D yesterday, and we're playing a Strixhaven campaign, which obviously is set in a magic school, yeah. and people, other people out there are not trans. Well, my friends who are playing this are cis. Will will not stop making the Harry Potter references, and I'm like, I don't, I don't care. You know, you can just fucking do what you want, but like, it's it's just it's just it's it's so soaked into our culture, especially in like our generation, millennials, mm-hmm. because we grew up with the books. Um, and I won't pretend that it hasn't influenced me. Oh yeah, it's just that like, I don't want to, I don't want to. S- J.K. Rowling has a very interesting relationship with her media. It's it's unlike a lot of other authors, and and talking about it in some ways increases her social capital. It's just, you know, it's 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 a complex issue. Yeah. Sorry. I think the thing that really <laughs> bugs me about mm-hmm. it, and that's why it came up right here, is because yeah. so much of it is like we as American readers perceive it as fun and whimsical, the boarding yeah. houses, the schools, and that's just English culture. That's how it is. Yeah. It's yeah, not... Yeah. It's not like it's specifically <laughs> she didn't invent just stuff. wizard stuff, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, like, it, it, and it, it comes out of some pretty fucked up shit. Yeah, uh, it really I does. Wanna, I don't want to be here, like, telling British people, oh, your culture sucks, me as an yeah. American. <laughs> yeah. I live in America. Our culture sucks in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, I, 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 I do think that, um, you know, like, I, I remember, I remember in, uh, Misfits and Magic, the, the season of Dimension 20 where they did the magic school. Yeah, I was um, just thinking of the same like, thing. Like, like, uh, this is tracking. Mm-hmm. This yeah. Is, yeah, yeah. This, this is literally, like, like, uh, proven in educational research yeah. to be bad for students. Misfits and Magic <laughs> is, like, low-key one of the best Dimension 20 seasons. There's only four episodes long, five if you include the Christmas one. Yeah, yeah. Just because, like, again, it's... it is all of them just being like, hey, education systems are fucked, and also so is the Wizards series. <laughs> like, especially just, like, the fact that Lou keeps saying, like, nope, we're reappropriating that, uh, basically slur for non-magical people. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Just no, giving you a really heart attack all the time by saying that. <laughs> Goat house. Uh, yeah. Eat, eat, eat trash, eat trash. <laughs> Alright, um, so Axe demorphs back into his Andalite form as he's watching the stars and thinking about his parents, and Cassie asks where they are, if he's allowed to say, and he... Apparently you can see the Andalite star from Earth because he's able to point it out pretty effectively, so 
the things we have learned about X. He does not pay attention in class. He is bad at history, sociology, many sciences. However, he's super good at uh, astronomy and also uh, engineering. So there you go. Yeah, also apparently Uh, programming. (laughs) I would put that under engineering. He's a he's a tech guy. People people have different people have different talents. Although uh, in in like the pre like the first half of this book, X mentioned that. And light warriors are expected to just be good at everything, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which is kind of an unrealistic expectation, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they have a little bit of the warrior poet thing going on, but to the extreme. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To like the every every warrior is expected to be a warrior poet. <laughs> <laughs> just like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining like, uh, just, just like Andalites on bongos in, <laughs> in the, like, in the, the, the dome ship. Like one of the Andalites finishes ah. finishes a, a, a spoken word poem, and the other ones just snap like beatniks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cassie tells him that you know all the Animorphs, Jake and Tobias and Rachel and Marco and me, we all care about you, right? You're not just some alien. Which okay, cool, we appreciate that. It is nice to know you are loved. And uh, X basically just says thanks for dinner and runs away. <laughs> Uh, this will take us into chapter 12, which I have called A Whisper in the Forest, which is not a joke, but it's the only name I could come up with because this chapter is kind of <laughs> nothing. Um, X is in the night reading the book of quotes, and he's thinking more and more about the radio telephone and blah blah blah, and he's thinking a little bit about, like, if he contacts his homeworld, they could give him instructions, tell him what to do. But also, like, they'd be proud that he was fighting the Yerks, right? They'd they'd be... He would be a hero. That would be great. He could be famous, like his brother. But ultimately, he's, like... He doesn't want to think that, but he's telling the truth here, so thanks for that in your memoir, Axe. And as he's getting ready to sleep, he thinks about being lonely, and how he's out here in the forest by himself, and Cassie and Marco and Rachel and Jake all had homes, and... He realizes that Tobias doesn't, so Tobias is a little more like him than the others, but, you know, would he help if he knew what was going on, and could you really trust Tobias? So he he finds Tobias's branch, because apparently Tobias sleeps in the same place every night. I didn't know that. I thought he was kind of migratory a little bit. But uh, he wakes him up and asks, uh, are you my friend? Which Tobias is kind of grumpy about, because he was sleeping, and then this guy shows up in the middle of the night to ask if you're friends, so <laughs> I get being annoyed by this. Um, Tobias, yeah, are I... we besties? Yes, now go back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Tobias has a very um, egalitarian view of this, like, we are the two weirdest creatures on the planet, and we have fought and almost died side by side. Obviously we are friends, yes. Uh and so Axe decides to tell him the truth. Uh, he asks if Tobias will keep a secret, even from everyone else. And Tobias agrees, yes, he'll do that, if it's not something that'll hurt his friends. As long as, like, if it's a promise that he will never break. So, Tobias, like, he talks about how he was the last one there when Elfangor died, and he doesn't really know why, but he feels like he was drawn to him, wanted to hear, wanted to be there in his presence, like Elfangor was a magnet. And Axe understands this. He he kind of felt the same way when he was around his brother. And the reason Tobias brought this up is because he will swear by the memory of Prince Elfangor, so uh, Axe tells Tobias his plan. 
Uh, this will lead me into my final chapter, 13, uh, You Think I Don't Know Bird Facts. Um, <laughs> Bring it back to the mention 20. <laughs> always. Uh, we open with a little blurb about Axe finding the, quote, E.T. phone home in Cassie's book of quotes, which... Oh boy, that is not a good book of quotes if that's in there. I'm just no. saying. <laughs> yeah, like he should probably ask them later on of like, hey, what's the context for that? And it's like it's from a it's from a movie act. It's not something we put there just to like rub it in your face or something. Yeah, for sure. Um so we we cut in with Axe doing his morning ritual, uh he does the whole thing, and then Tobias shows up. Uh he says it is a great day for flying, thermals ding. Yay. Um <laughs> Axe kind of points out that you don't have to do this, like, it's going to be dangerous, but, you know, we've done this speech a bunch of times already, so Tobias just kind of brushes him off and says, alright, let's go. Um, <laughs> so, uh, he become Axe, I guess, becomes a harrier, he turns into his bird morph, and we get a bunch of paragraphs about morphing, but it's not morphing as gross as much as this is the process of morphing and birds are cool, aren't they? I love birds. And... <laughs> Eventually, Tobias kind of jumps in with, like, I mean, I don't want to insult you or anything, but why is Cassie better at this than you? It's kind of your deal, right? <laughs> hey, my guy, how come you've got to suck at that compared to a person? <laughs> and while Axe does not really explain anything, he basically just says that Cassie has natural talent and he doesn't, so he just has to work at it a little harder. Um... They are ready to fly, so they take off. Uh, he talks, Axe talks a little bit about how he can hear many things all in the forest because apparently Harriers have very good hearing, etc., etc. And uh, then they fly up. They're 200 feet up, and they can see the entire town basically. And Tobias is leading him to the observatory, which is going to be about an hour flying. So they get to the ocean, and this is where the thermals are. So another ding there, and then a thermal is ding for a three so far. Uh, <laughs> Even when it's not a Tobias book, he still manages to bring up thermals three times when he's present. <laughs> yep. Uh <-huh. laughs> so Tobias explains that they have to fly higher than the seagulls do, because seagulls will get obnoxious and swarm hawks if they're feeling bad. And, um... Axe is feeling great. Uh, he's watching humans on the beach who are wearing less clothes than normal. Um, he's just exhilarated about not wearing clothes, and clothes are weird to humans. He doesn't really get why. Yeah, I, but, I do. Uh, I do very much like his little narration of like, I don't get why humans put so much stock in clothes, but at this one location, they're allowed to wear less. It's weird to me. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. And then um. Tobias points out, like, while Axe is doing this monologue about clothing, that there's a peregrine falcon here who's probably here to hunt seagulls, but, you know, if they gotta keep an eye on him. So, again, more bird facts. Uh, and uh, he thinks about how rough it must be for Tobias, who has to, like, constantly live paying attention to things that no humans would even need to notice, much less fear, because uh, hawks are predators, but also, like, everything can eat them. So... He seems okay with it, though, and Axe kind of muses on maybe he likes it better being a hawk, so I don't know. Oh he's, yeah, sorry, he... sorry, Axe, you weren't here when Tobias had his whole, like, gender thoughts. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so eventually they see a large white structure, which is the uh, radio telescope, 
Um, X finds it very amusing that they're still using dishes. I don't know what he uses instead, but radio dishes are apparently very primitive. Uh, it'll work, but... Uh... <laughs> Tobias then asks what exactly they're doing out here, and Axe's answer is that they are flying, so... Tobias is thrilled that he has suddenly developed sarcasm, and that is the end of my chapters. <laughs> yeah, like you say, those two chapters really don't have much going on in them. Yeah, they were much quicker than the first yeah. two. Unfortunately, we've got just a shit ton of stuff to get through in my section. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot. So let's do it! Yeah, alright, chapter 14, which I have called the BFFs do a B&E. Uh, Tobias and Max basically don't have much of an idea where in the observatory the computers would be located, but fortunately this place isn't in operation yet, which somehow Marco knows. Marco mentioned that Tobias just in passing, so I don't know how Marco knows that, but whatever. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the, basically they can just take their time looking around if they need to, but they're not sure exactly how many people would be here. Uh, after Tobias has to explain the difference between sarcasm and being snide, he leads Axe in through the opening of the big telescope, because, you know, telescopes have those for the telescope to obviously poke out of through their dome. They confirm that the room is empty, so they split for Axe to unmorph inside of a side office as Tobias does its usual recon outside, just because that's what he does all the time. Uh, Axe hears somebody talking through the office's walls, which Tobias confirms to be some dude in the meeting, so the latter decides to watch them to alert Axe that they head towards him. Axe basically is just worried that if he unmorphs and morphs into his human disguise, that he might be tired. If he has to, like, unmorph back to Andalite, then morph again to something to make a hasty escape, so he takes the risk to just stay in his base Andalite form to avoid that exhaustion in case he has to flee when shit hits the fan, because he at least has learned at this point that, like, yeah, shit usually does hit the fan with us, so I should probably make sure I'm actually rested. <laughs> <laughs> Our plans always go to hell anyway. Uh, but yeah, but also because he wants his parents to actually see his real face on the video call, so he doesn't want to be, <laughs> the, he doesn't want to be like, some random human kid. <laughs> Uh, apparently Axe knows how to circumvent the need for a password in his computer system because of the software that he wrote, so either he wrote a backdoor into it, or he's just a master hacker. <laughs> I don't... He just says he just circumvents the security. I don't... He doesn't specify. So well, I don't know how we're supposed to interpret He disables that. the security system. I think he just turns off the computer's need for a password. This isn't, like, his program. He but just... Ha but how? <laughs> he's good at programming. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I guess he's just a master hacker. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, whatever. It's it's a little bit of a silly thing where he's like, eh, that didn't matter, fuck it, <laughs> whatever. Uh, but yeah, he gets into the system and creates a virus also on the spot to sabotage the software that he had created, <laughs> basically by fixing Marco's dad's work. <laughs> uh, he tweaks the telescope settings while he's there to get the telescope ready, and after 10 minutes of work he has to concentrate, because apparently thought speech is needed to communicate over Z-Space, which is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> So he focuses on his homeworld, which is apparently just called Andalite Home. That's just the name of the planet, I guess. Well, there's a reason the intro sounds the way it does, right? If I knew what the planet was called other than Andalite Homeworld, I would have uh, used yeah. that name. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess, yeah. It's it's just interesting that it's just called, literally called Andalite Home. <laughs> like, it doesn't have a planet name or anything, or it's, it's not even him just saying Andalite Homeworld or something. It's just, nope, Andalite Home. <laughs> but yeah. But he gets a fellow Andalite who is annoyed about somebody accessing a high security channel despite Axe not having the credentials, which I guess this guy can just see remotely and is like, wait, this, this guy doesn't have that? Where is he? Mm -hmm. 
Uh, Axe introduces himself and says that he's Elfanger's brother, as well as name-dropping his parents, at which point I realized during this that I have to print out the fucking load of names. <laughs> uh, his parents, I'm going to do my best guess here. Uh, Nurlin Seriniel Korof? I think that's close enough, right? I mean, Seriniel is how we've always said that for okay. Elfangor, so okay. yeah, that sounds yeah. about as close as and, we can get to this. Yeah, yeah, and the other one is Forle Eskarov. I always forget how Elfangor's... Oh wait, no, actually, his like, middle name is. I've always said Eskaruth, but I don't think yeah. there's like a pronunciation yeah, guide, yeah. so... Forle Eskaruth Mahin, which... It's dad and mom, respectively, right? Like, we don't uh, get clarification, I don't think least. we know which one of them is which. Oh, okay. We know those are their names, but... Yeah, because they don't specify which one comes on later. <laughs> so nope. I'm like, I'm guessing dad and then mom? I don't think... I don't know. It's interesting, but yeah, can't tell. Uh, but yeah, but he finishes report... Or that little introduction by saying that he's on Earth. Uh, yeah. But if we don't have anything else about that, we'll just continue on, since, again, there's a lot here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey. At least it's in chapter 15, which I have called, I'm going to have to escalate this to my supervisor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the other Andalite, whose name we don't know yet, asks about Ofanger, but asks to flex to learn who this call center rep is. He responds saying he's, oh god, Ithilaron Halas Korain is what I'm going to say. Uh, Sounds good. Yeah, he's the assistant to the head of planetary communications. And access to admit at that point that the dome ship and all its inhabitants but himself have perished. They share a moment <laughs> of mourning for the dead before access to be X to be connected to his family. So, so what I can tell, this guy is basically like the telephone operator yeah, for the yeah, entire planet. Yeah, yeah, he's like, oh, let, let me let me uh, forward you to the correct uh, person. He's he's working the switchboard basically, <laughs> which is which is a weird which is like a weird thing to have. Yeah, you know, like if you just fucking call the planet, this one guy answers. Yeah, he's like, God, I'm so overworked. I need, I need, I need days off, and I need to ask for a raise. But I know that's a little. I haven't been here long enough. I've been here for two years. I don't know if I can get that yet. Like, Wait. realistically, you'd probably reach a call center and you'd be on hold yeah. for like an hour. Yeah, but obviously we don't have not. that kind of time. No, we don't. We gotta... <laughs> But yeah, uh, this call center guy, whose name I've already forgotten how to pronounce, so I'm not going to again, uh, says that he'll do so to connect him to his family once they found them. I guess they have to physically go get them, rather than just figure <laughs> out them. But he, they need access report first. Uh, X gives him an overview of the situation, that the Yorks are on Earth, how they have at least one mothership and Vista 3's blade ship here. The humans are totally unaware, and that there's at least thousands of human controllers by his estimate. He does I have to say it is a little weird that they refer to the pool ship as the mothership because we know it's called a pool ship, but <laughs> it's also a mothership. Did... Yeah, when did they call it the pool ship, though? I feel like in book five heard... when it was introduced. Oh, yeah. Okay, I guess I just remember it always just being called the mothership. Like it means also, yeah. the beginning. Also, I think they called it the pool ship at the beginning of this at the beginning of this book. In the oh, prologue. okay. I think they did, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess it's mostly just me thinking, like, from the last few books, they've kind of been like, oh, they're going to have to ferry people to and from the membership for the Kandrona raids. That's why I always... Well, it's probably interchangeable, itself. right? Like, yeah. sorry, the, 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 the pool ship is the Urk's mothership. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, makes sense. That's where they yeah. have to basically take people while the Kandrona's busted, anyway. It's, a, it's also that a mothership is a ship that contains other ships. Yeah. So, like... I mean, yeah, the, but that's Earth terminology. <laughs> 
Okay, but every like they're speaking English. Everything yeah, they say yeah. is for terminology. Yeah, yeah, very convenient <laughs> that all these alien races just also speak English. <laughs> or I, I, you know, like, thought like speech English, but still. <laughs> mothership is a general term. Mm-hmm. Like, like for instance, a dome ship is also a mothership. But well, sure, a cool that's my ship point. is a specific type of mothership used by the Yerks. Yeah. So, like in general military parlance, they'd probably use the word mothership. Just to refer to any ship that contains other ships, or whatever the Andalite equivalent to the word mothership is. I just feel like it's more efficient if you know what the ship is to tell your superiors what the ship is. <laughs> I feel like that's that's implied. It's a Yurk mothership. They're all pool ships. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, continuing on. X has to correct this call center guy that Earth is not a lost cause, that there are other teens here who know about the Yurks and that he fights alongside them. And that they, hey, at least they've so far managed to destroy the Kendrona. The the call center guy, second, I so many names. <laughs> uh, asks how six kids could do such a thing, so Axe has to come clean about how his friend has the power to morph. And when pressed about this, he clarifies that Alfangor had given him the power. The call center guy immediately has to call in the supervisor about this because he's like, up, oh, this is bad. <laughs> this is outside <laughs> my pay rate. I gotta transfer you. Uh, and by supervisor, we mean the Andalite equivalent of the president. Yeah, you, you know. You know. Hey, turns like out. The, the leader of all of them. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Axe basically finds himself being grilled by, at least this guy has a slightly easier to pronounce name, uh, Lirim Apetov? Taros? Arapov. Oh, Arapov, yeah. Well, they always just. Peace. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, they always just call him Lirim from this point out anyway, so it doesn't matter. Uh, but yeah, he's the head of the council and a war veteran of, like, a long fucking time, so Axe is like, oh shit. <laughs> uh, he is starstruck by this guy, but also, Lyrum has no time for that, as he immediately demands to know if Elfangor really did break the law. So, Axe explains how Elfangor was out of options by that point, since, like, the dome ship was destroyed, he was by himself and dying, and it's like, well, the humans don't have any way to fight back, I gotta, this is, like, my only option at this point. But he also has to admit that he himself broke the same law by having made his modifi- his modification to the telescope. <laughs> Hooray! Uh, Axe basically gets frustrated and declares that humanity isn't their enemy, when he gets grilled in this too, and that Elfangor did what he thought was right, since only a handful of humans were aware of the invasion. It being five kids, obviously. Lirum then reminds Axe about how Prince Zero had once given technology to another species because he thought that they should be able to travel into space too, so we finally basically just get confirmation there that Zero's kindness is the prime directive after all, and that mm-hmm. obviously this guy was responsible for the Yerks being out in space. <laughs> Seems pretty obvious mm-hmm. even before they clarify that. <laughs> uh, Lirum then says that it would be a damn shame if Elfanger had broken their laws because he was a hero adored by the people and at this point Axe realizes that he asking, he's asking for him to lie about what really actually transpired which for some reason Axe ends up acquiescing to and saying that it was actually him who gave the humans the morphing technology in order to basically have his brother's name not be dragged through the mud well, sure, but that, and also, like, he already broke the law to make this radio yeah, telescope. Yeah, true. That's another yeah. thing, right? Even, yeah, even if, yeah. You do, even if you don't go along with the slide, it's like, well, you're still, you're still fucked up, technically. <laughs> so, right, this one is like deeper. a, this one's a, fu- a fuck up that Axe has repaired. The, the, the giving, giving the, giving the morphing technology to the humans is, is an action that has long-term consequences. Yeah. But it's like, he doesn't clarify that he's like, hey, yeah, no, I'm calling, but I've already set it up to be ruined, so this can't be used again. 
And he's like, he's not, he's not saying yeah. that, like, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. I made sure that it's at least going to be taken care of. They're not going to have this. <laughs> he doesn't do that. <laughs> Which I yeah. feel like would actually be a little bit of leeway of like, oh, okay, well, at least you're destroying it after you use this, whatever. Mm-hmm. But no, he doesn't mention that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh, Liren basically says, oh, I forgive your transgression here, and says that it's a brave thing to want to help other, spe- other species fight the Yurks, since he was an advisor to the Hork Vizier back before they became enslaved. Axe, of course, immediately had to put his foot in his mouth by not being able to help but point out that the Hork Vizier had lost everything anyway. So, <laughs> good <laughs> job angering the president, Axe. Uh, I mean, at least he got a pardon out of it first. Yeah, yeah, I, I but mean, you don't want to maybe like take a risk after that of like, yeah, but you fucked up, didn't you? I, <laughs> like, hmm. I think I think it's more like, but like, obviously we didn't help the Hork Vizier by not giving them our technology because the Hork yeah. Vizier lost. You know, that's like, like. The, the law of Ciro's kindness also caused us to lose the hork and it could mm-hmm. cause us to lose the humans, uh, or it would if we had not broken it. So. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> Oops. We, we knocked over one domino, and then it started knocking over millions of more dominoes. Oopsie-doodle. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When Axe points this out, Lyrum goes cold and orders that Axe continue fighting the Yurks, but refuse to give the humans any information nor technology. And he also says that their fleet is engaged with the Yurks all over the galaxy, but that the war effort against them is going well, but it will be some time before they can actually get to Earth because of that. <laughs> Tobias at this point interrupts by trying to tell Axe that there's a guy headed his way, but he's a bit too far out of range, so Axe doesn't hear him entirely, but just enough to actually make it obvious what's going on. Mm-hmm. But also at that moment, before he can listen to what Tobias is saying, Lurum says that Axe's dad has been located and that he wants to talk to him. <laughs> So much in my chapters. These are my longest <laughs> notes I've ever written for... I, I have almost three pages of notes, I'm just now realizing, for these four. Yeah, you got all the good intellect yeah, stuff. Yeah, it turns out. Yeah, mm-hmm. I got all the stuff, and all the shit happened yeah. in these few chapters. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I enjoy fun chili time, but you got all the good intellect stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I did I did want to I did want to say that, like, what Liram says here <laughs> is basically the opposite of what Axe had said earlier. Axe was like, I can't break the law of Sarah's kindness because I'm a lowly heiress and Elfangor is a war prince. And so Elfangor has that leeway. But what Lyrim is saying is, no, because you're a you're an heiress and yeah. you have no status, you have the leeway. Yeah, Elfangor like, is a war prince and, I, and, and, and does not actually have that leeway, so yeah, we have like, to blame it on you. Yeah, it's, it's the it's, opposite of what Axe said earlier. It's an interesting inversion of that, yeah, now you pointed out, because yeah. it's, like, it's like, very much like, hey, you're, you're a minor, you kind of can get away with this in a sense. <laughs> yeah. Your brother is a decorated war hero. It'd be bad if people found out he broke the law. <laughs> I think there's like a weird undercurrent here that I've never noticed before in the plot, and we'll talk about it, I think, later. But like when it's also when like we get the hint that oh, Axe is kind of self-conscious about not being good at morphing. Mm-hmm. Axe is self-conscious about having these talents that that he's not quite cu- uh, cut out to. Axe views himself as like it, it, unworthy to do the same thing that Elfangor did because he's an heiress. Mm-hmm. Axe is ki- kind of has low self-esteem. Yeah. Well, Axe, is, Axe doesn't doesn't view exact... himself as as like uh as as capable in a sense. You yeah, know what I mean? It's a side of him we'd never seen before prior to this book because obviously he's yeah. in his head. He's mostly just been there to be like, oh, look, he's a funny comedic relief. He's he's messing around with words and shoveling well, a bunch of garbage in his mouth. <laughs> 
I mean, we did see it a little bit in the Megamorphs book when he was talking about how he was sworn to revenge himself on Visser 3 and True. he has no idea how he's going to do that and everyone's yeah. trying to, yeah. I mean, that was also, to be fair, the first time we ever actually had point of view chapters on him because that yeah. came before this one, obviously. And and I, I, think, I think I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in my chapters. Mm -hmm. Um... But I, I just think it's interesting, because I never noticed that before, that Axe is, like, weirdly down on himself in yeah. this book. He's lonely, yeah. and he doesn't have very much confidence in himself, because he's a kid. <laughs> yeah. I may, I feel like there's a little bit of uh, a military hegemony involved in this as well. Because yeah. you talk about, like, Elfangor should be able to take this hit as a popular, decorated hero. Mm -hmm. But because of the value of this law, they won't allow that. Because if Elfangor broke the law, then, like, clearly it can't be that bad. He's the good guy, right? So it has to fall on Axe, because it can't be the hero doing this thing that's obviously illegal, or the, people might suspect that's good, too. The way Lyrum, like, spins it is that, oh, well, we can't ruin people's faith in Elfangor. Yeah. But I think he's thinking that, like social implication like that, yeah. <laughs> that that assumes people are gonna choose the law over elfangor and i don't think that would happen no. i think that if people if people are like really into this guy this law is like what 20 years old <laughs> uh, yeah something like that <laughs> and, oh, so it's not and... been even like a thing for very long <laughs> yeah um uh, yeah so the law would have been established, I think, around about 1965-ish, and mm -hmm. we're in 97 now, so it's 32 so, yeah, years yeah. old at most. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, like, they're going to be like, oh, well, maybe if Elfengor, who we all love and see as a hero, was able to break this law for the good of, you know, our our fight against the Yorks, then maybe the law is not that really much of, a, like, a good idea. Yep. Um, and, and, like... I like this a lot because I, I love Star Trek. I don't like the Prime Directive. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, it, it very much kind of reads at times where it's like, oh, it's just kind of a case of yeah. some of these older Andalites are just so fucking terrified that something like this could happen again, maybe even worse, mm -hmm. that they aren't even, like, giving anybody a chance. And, like, yeah, and, like, you have uh, to enforce this because it went bad once, and it's like, okay, it went bad once. That doesn't mean it's going to go bad every time. Lyrum even says in this chapter, like, maybe this will go well in a way that I'm too old to see. Yeah. Like, there's there's that. a kind of... Because, like, I think Lyrum probably would have been... I don't know how long Andalites live. <laughs> Some no of them idea. have, like, yeah. they mentioned that, like, I think, like, Lyrum mentions that he's been around for, like, centuries at this point. Which, again, just using human yeah. time terminology. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's also, like, just a general attachment to the law, you know? Yeah. Like, gotta follow the law. Mm -hmm. uh, something else I wanted uh, to ask. Do we uh -huh. do we ever get uh, more, like, specifics on how much older Elfanger is than Axe? Because, like... Yes. Because, like, how, how yeah. old is he, like, when Axe is a kid? We have to wait. We have to wait for the Andalite Chronicles. For oh, that. okay. Yeah, because, like, based on, like, just, like, that little bit earlier on when he was like, oh, yeah, like, Elfangor wasn't even around when I was born. So, I think, I think, I think I could go ahead and say this without mm -hmm. spoiling anything. When Elfangor was Axe's age, Axe was not yet born. Like, they were expecting yeah, like, a child. Okay. So Axe was, like, Axe's mother was, like, pregnant with Axe, or tr they were trying to get pregnant with Axe when Elfangor was Axe's age. Okay, so, that's so around like, age when difference. he was uh, doing cadet yeah. training at around like, yeah. the same so, age. Okay, so he's like just exactly. twice Axe's age, yeah. basically. Basically, yeah. Okay. Or not twice Axe's age. 
Well, yes. Yeah, no, at this point, he would be. Yeah. yeah. I was like, he'd be around like 25 hold on a second. 26, 25, yeah, do yeah. the math in my brain. <laughs> Yeah, because if X is like 13, if Anger, if Elfanger was around that age when X is born, then he would be like just twice his age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. For some reason, I was thinking like closer to like mid 30s for some reason. I think I think I think a little bit I think a little bit more than twice X's age because I think it takes them a while to actually have X. But yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's yeah. it's it's all like that's in the future. So okay. I, I, I I don't I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to tell you ages. So no. <laughs> yeah. Okay. In any case, mm-hmm. uh, we should probably move on to chapter 16, mm-hmm. which I have called Brain Slugs in Love. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I was really trying to uh, think of ones for this. Uh, Axe and his dad immediately just uh, get into how Elfangor is gone, and it only really hits Axe at this point that his brother is dead when he has to actually tell one of his parents this. His dad asks if Elfangor has been avenged, but when Axe confirms that he hasn't yet, uh, he asks his son to take up the responsibility of doing so. But before they can really move on to anything else, the screen immediately goes dark as a man nearby speaks out to Axe while holding a Dracon beam level at him. He warns Axe to not try attacking him, only for Tobias to dive in and rip apart one of his arms, because I guess he wasn't paying attention to the bird outside. <laughs> Even though he was expecting Endolite to show up, as we'll get into later on in this chapter. <laughs> it's like, you would maybe expect that to close this window. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Well, it's not a window; it's a big slit in like the. It's true, but maybe the, yeah. It's, like, it's 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 the big hole the telescope. I guess you have to. Yep. I guess you have to have an access point for the one and the light you were expecting, but you should maybe pay attention to the fact that another one might be prowling about doing recon. My point is, I don't think they can close that hole. I guess. <laughs> yeah. But then it's gonna get soaking wet if it rains or snows. <laughs> I'm sure they have a, deal, a way to deal with that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't. I don't know how. I don't know how these no, telescopes work. I think so. they can retract to close it. I don't think it's always just open all the time. If this place is not even operation yet, it really probably should be closed. Actually, now that I think about it. Whatever. <laughs> maybe I mean, he did want to open it so that the Andalite could get in. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Learn later yeah, that he wanted true. to talk to him. So. True. Yeah, he does. He does actually want to like allow an Andalite to get it because he was expecting this. But yeah. Mm-hmm. In any case. Uh, X tries to use the diversion from Tobias to advance on the guy, but, uh, he interestingly says he doesn't actually want to kill them, but will do so if pressed to it. He says he just wants to talk, so he proves this by dropping his weapon and kicking it away, saying that he's at their mercy, and therefore could either attack or listen to what he has to say. Tobias defers to Axe's judgment, because I'm pretty sure he even says, like, this is your party, my guy. This is this is not you. You get to decide. <laughs> uh... But yeah, Axe decides to hear him out for a bit, and the man at first introduces himself as Gary Kozlar. Kozlar? It doesn't matter. Kozlar. Kozlar, yeah. But then he clarifies that he is uh, SLN359, because of course he has the Yurk in his head, because he has a Drake on beam. And Axe is like, don't give me your fucking human Yeah, it's like, my my guy, you're you're holding a laser. You're holding a laser gun. You know what Andalites are. You clearly are a (laughs) Yurk. Let's (laughs) cut the shit. (laughs) I'm not super sure about this, but. Given that we have heard Yerks from the S-Plin line before, I don't know if this is a misprint or if there are just two lines that sound very similar. Oh, so yeah, yeah. Either thing think, is possible. I think it's I think it's a different line. I think it's just a coincidental or something. Yeah, um, it, it might just be, yeah. Because, like, I mean, every yeah. time in this book it says S-Plin, not S-Plin. Okay. Probably, probably similar <laughs> name, but it's like, well, they, they can only come up with so many different permutations of similar-sounding names in the sense that they're like, well, we left out the P in this one, sorry. <laughs> Yeah. It's like if John with an O and John with an H were names <laughs> of just like entire family lines. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Well, except that those are homophones, so it's more like <laughs> it's like we had Jonathan and like Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan, of course. Yeah, everybody loves Jonathan. 
Everybody just keeps asking where he is and not how he is. <laughs> but yeah. In any case, uh, Elslin knows who Axe is. He knows that they still find his brother. And he has to basically take this moment to say that they have something in common, that they both have someone that they cared about who were killed by the same person, with his being uh, Duran? Duran? Durani? I don't know. Whatever. Uh, 144. Uh, obviously, Axe is a Delfanger. Uh, Eslin says that when they destroyed the Kendroner, Visit 3 began ratcheting the raids aboard the mothership to only the most important Yorks or those that he liked, because he's an asshole. <laughs> uh, they both then take a moment to insult each other's species for no one having pity on the brain slug slavers and Andalites being self righteous and hypocritical. <laughs> uh, it's a little bit hey, funny. You know what? Hey, you know what? Fair on both counts. Yeah, actually. true. Yeah, true. <laughs> the Andalites have proven themselves to be pretty self-righteous and hypocritical, and also, the brain slugs have been kind of assholes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're both right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, at this point, Eslin says that he knew that an Andalite would come by the observatory the moment that he saw the new software, because obviously he's like, yep, no, people didn't do this. This was definitely Andalites. And he knew that they would want to use the radio telescope to set the transmission, so he's basically just been waiting here till one of them showed up. Axe feels. I, cool. I I I do I do like that his assumption is that this, that this was deliberate and this was yeah, a plan yeah. from the beginning. Yeah, but that's definitely to, not true. Yeah, compared to the truth of like, <laughs> no, I thought that was a kids game and that the then that the solution was that you had to solve the problems. <laughs> that that was. It's that like ah uh, yes, you clever Andalites using human technology to like, your nope, ends. Nope, I, like, no, just... I thought I was playing a children's. I thought I was playing a children's video game. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Axe, Axe appropriately feels foolish because, of course, the Yorks would have somebody inside of this facility. Uh, but Eslin continues on that he and his paramour, whose name I don't know how to pronounce, so I'm just going to say that, uh, had been together for a long time, but were separated due to their different stations, with the observatory station apparently being important, but her having a minor job. This is, like, one of the few times I can even think of, of like, uh, besides Marco's mom, that, like, they're using female pronouns, or uh, femme pronouns for a, a York, to my knowledge, right? I mean, it'll happen more and more. Yorks definitely do have pronoun preferences in general, but they typically... It, it's weird, right? Because, like, most Yorks will just accept the pronouns that their host uses, but some yeah. Yorks have specific pronouns for themselves, so... Yeah, I just I just mm -hmm. know, for, like, for the most part, it seems like most of the controllers that we have encountered have been, like, like masculine Yorks inside masculine bodies, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think there's an assumption of that, because especially in the 90s, there's sort of a general assumption in English that people you don't know tends to be male, which yeah. I don't really get why, but no. there you go. <laughs> yeah. This is a patriarchy. I was going to move on. <laughs> yeah. It is, it is still just also interesting that it's like, this is like also the first time we ever heard about Yorks maybe like caring for each other in more than just a like, yeah, we're co-workers way. This is actually yeah. two, two Yorks as yeah. well. <laughs> well, great. it's... it's it's interesting, and we'll we'll see this again later in ways that I really really love. Um, Visser is such a good book, but uh, yeah, it's it's. I, I honestly think like we 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 got into a, a uh, we got a, a peek into Temrash's mind when he died in Jake's head, and Temrash did not have any sort of what Jake would call love. These clear these two clearly do. Yeah, I think I think it's that. The host affects the Yurk a lot more than Yurks would like to admit. I yeah, think that, I can see that. Um, like, it, it, it seems to me like this is something that human brains are capable of, and because he, because the Yurks have been in contact with human brains, they like get some of that, some of that goop in there mm -hmm. in them. You know what I mean? Some of that yeah. love goop in them. <laughs> um, 
And and this is a concept we'll explore later. <laughs> um, but it's it's really interesting to see that, and it's also like. It, it it gives you a little bit of hope for him, but we'll get to that later. I, I think I kind of disagree okay. in a way. I mean, yeah. as Eslin is talking here, they've been together for a very long time. They grew up yeah. together in the same pool. They've just been That's together true. their whole lives. That's true. I think there's just a noted, like, uh, 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 mm-hmm. I don't know what the word is, um, encouragement uh enticement mm-hmm. for sociopathic yorks to move further up the ranks so like these yeah. two they're like lower down they don't have that that, well, that hey, go hung that, well, hey, that's something that yorks and humans have in common yeah. exactly <laughs> yes <laughs> i think that happens a lot but, in fascistic systems but, <laughs> yeah. per, the person having like a dead-end job like oh, i'm a janitor or something like that not, so, not to obviously like to, well, you know disparage janitors but being like yeah i don't like my job and like the yurk inside their head is like god i don't like my job of having to be inside this janitor's head <laughs> which is like if because of how yurks reproduce there's not as much of an incentive for like familial love mm-hmm. or That's certainly true. pair bonding. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean they can't have very, very deep camaraderie. And that also doesn't mean that once they enter a host that is capable of romantic love, that camaraderie could not evolve into something else. Like, it, I'm not saying they weren't close before that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I feel like having like a romance would require like the 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 context of humans maybe also geds i don't know what i don't know how geds do so. <laughs> i mean we know get we know what we know barely what geds do which is that they're apparently designed pretty poorly by yeah. evolution I, I think i think like really the i don't think we really learn much more about geds i think that the story with them just starts and ends with they just kind of suck yeah pretty much yes <laughs> like they, they just walk a little bit lopsided because their limbs aren't the same size they have shitty eyes yeah they just kind of suck <laughs> but yeah it's better than just being in select form it's implied that they would not be able to survive without having yurks in their brains. <laughs> but how would they survive to even evolve into that state without them? Uh, if they co-evolve with the yurks. Oh, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, then that could happen. Yeah. Also, I mean, sometimes evolution just finds a dead end. Like, yeah. it happens. Yeah, but that usually results in extinction. Um, yeah, and but it, then sometimes you get uh, brain slugs who take over and prevent that from happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, then then we ha- then we well, then what we have is a mutualistic relationship in which both of the species benefit each other. Yeah. Maybe not in like a a a moral sense, but in a biological sense, and keeping <laughs> each other alive certainly. Yeah. At any rate, we should probably move on because we still have a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Apparently, Visser 3 basically just lied about everybody surviving after they lost the Kandrona, as there would just never be enough raids to go around for them all. And Durain, whatever her, I her name, uh, was deemed expendable. Uh, mm-hmm. Eslin apparently already sabotaged one of their shuttles that were ferrying Yurks to and from the mothership. <laughs> just as a little bit of like revenge <laughs> against Visser 3, so now like he's like, hey, some of his friends are now also going to die. Fuck him. But he also wants more. Eslin is arguably the most effective guerrilla fighter on this team. Yeah, yeah. I want to know how he managed to sabotage an entire shuttle. <laughs> yeah, and get away with it, but yeah. Uh, he did somehow. Uh, Tobias realizes at this point that uh, this must be why they're only starting to see some controllers have their yurks dying in their heads, since it wasn't until Eslin wrecked the shuttle that things began spiraling out of control. Axe at this point asks if there's a point to this story, and Eslin reveals that sometimes Visser 3 has to feed like an Andalite, since his host body would obviously need food. 
<laughs> as well. Uh, and he also does have him, so somehow no, where Visit 3 goes to have lunch. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how he knows this either, just like how I don't know how he sabotages the shuttle, but he knows these two things. It's <laughs> Uh, he basically says that this is all because he wants Visit 3 dead for killing the only person he actually gave a shit about, and he places a note onto a desk that has the time and place of where he goes to eat, and that while he could have easily killed Axe uh, at any point during this, uh, Axe has a duty to his people to avenge his brother, and he just basically saw an easy way to try to get rid of Visitor 3. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, interesting that at least like even just early on in Book 8, we're already seeing like some division between the Yurks beyond just like Visitor 1 being like, yeah, you suck my guy, and I'm the only one that can actually the way of telling you that. <laughs> yeah. Listen, you can't, you can't like lead like Mr. 3 without making people want to kill you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yes, he's done nothing but be an absolute shitty boss. Obviously some people are going to actually be like we got to get rid of this fucker. We have to. We have to get rid of yeah. him. We have to somehow get him reported to HR and not die doing it. But yes, this will lead us into my final chapter 17, which I've called The Breaking of the Fellowship. Uh, this is the only <laughs> one of my chapters that actually begins with a diary entry, which is Axe talking about how you have to remember that the pain of humans is not your own while you're worked as one, and it's pretty hard to remember this at some times. That's feelings. a shitty thing to, like, I mean, you know what? Every, everyone's pain is your pain, or it should be. Yeah. You, know, you should give a shit. You should care. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, you should maybe all... have basic empathy for other people. <laughs> We're all made of we're all made of star stuff. We're all doomed to die. Like, come on, you yeah. know. <laughs> we're all doomed to die. Thumbs up. <laughs> uh, yeah. At any rate, uh, we cut to later that same evening where Jake calls everyone to Cassie's barn, which really is just their headquarters at this point. So good job on having a clear tie between the location and one of your members, guys. Real good. <laughs> uh, Axe immediately suspects that Device had told the others what transpired because while he might not have known that Axe actually contacted his people, he does know about Eslin's offer to go kill Visitor 3, based on where he is. Axe ruminates on the large amount of creatures at the barn slash wildlife rehabilitation clinic, and he also has to explain what this thing is, because we haven't mentioned it yet in this book, uh, and how he'll just never understand the human metric that is cuteness when it comes to the animals that people like, or humans like, <laughs> and, well, he also immediately jumps from that to thinking that he'd be very foolish to think that he could actually kill Visitor 3 and survive, because even if he does manage that, he would absolutely be killed on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some people mm -hmm. some people have a wider like a wider range of animals they like yeah. i usually love animals that people other people don't mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. i mean not everybody's a fan of ferrets meanwhile it's like i've had ferrets for like what 15 16 years or so total <laughs> some people hate snakes i love mm -hmm. snakes yeah like i i i i can appreciate that snakes are pretty cool it doesn't make me want to like touch a snake because it's like the, the lack of legs still kind of just is like strange to me <laughs> Like, like, nah, they're just little noodles. They're just little noodles. Yeah, but it's like ferrets are little noodles too, but ferrets still have feet. <laughs> Who cares? Feet are extraneous yeah. for some people. Uh, yeah, I know. It, it's just, yeah, it, it's just something about snakes just off to me, where it's like, again, I can appreciate them from afar, but I don't want to touch one, really. Yeah. yeah. I can find cuteness in any animal, however, that does not mean I necessarily want yeah, them to be like, near me. Snakes have cute little faces. They have little smiley faces. Much like ferrets, actually. <laughs> you know what the you know what the cutest parasite is? Mm -hmm. Cymothoa exigua. It's a little uh, isopod that replaces fish's tongues, and it peeks Ooh, out. Yeah. And, it yeah. Lies, and it's like. Yeah. I love what? that guy. 
I don't. I'm like, I need to know how to replace fish tongues, and also I'm like, I don't, I don't want to know. Uh, <laughs> you it's probably a long don't story, know. and uh, you probably don't want to know, and also we don't have time. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll mention it later. Maybe. Yeah. Moving on. Uh, Axe basically at this point also admits that he basically doesn't have a future anyway, because while uh, Lyrim air quotes forgave him of breaking the law, that he definitely did. At least once, not twice, as he's not taking credit for. Uh, he also knows that uh, he would never be a warrior prince anywhere close to Elfanger, and only basically remembered as Elfanger City of Brever, who handed morphing to humans. So, yay! Uh, he then morphs into human to attend the meeting, but he feels bad assuming their form and cannot help but dwell on how his superior had held onto their laws and customs at the cost of the Hork Vizier, basically. <laughs> so he can also help but wonder if Lyrim had uplifted the Hork Vizier with technology, if they'd still be free of the Yorks to this day, but it's really not for him to decide whether that would be the case, because he's just a cadet who will never be remembered for anything except possibly dying decently. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Anyway, uh, when he arrives at the barn, he sees that Tobias is basically perched overhead, still with some of the bloody shirt pieces stuck to his talons. It, it basically just says that he's like still carrying it, but I think it's really just like he's like, ah, nobody's fished this out of me so far yet, and when I when I they they noticed it, we're yep, it's we're busted. <laughs> this just got stuck yeah. on me, and I can't get it off. And oops, <laughs> yep, they know. Now. I do think it's much funnier to imagine Tobias having ripped that guy's shirt off, and that entire conversation being with a shirtless guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, like, specifically, like, hits his arm, because the guy throws mm -hmm. up his arm in the way, so it's like, I don't think he got the entire shirt. He at least got the sleeve. If it is a button-down shirt and the buttons are bad enough, it is potential danger. True. Yeah, true. It could be. I mean, he worked in an observatory, so he probably has to wear, like, more, like, uh, like, you know, uh, professional clothing, so it might be a button-down mm -hmm. shirt, so he might have gotten the whole shirt. <laughs> but with that said, it's unlikely that Tobias would be able to carry a whole shirt around to this long, because yeah. it was an hour of flying to get back here. True. Uh, yeah. Uh, Jake starts off the meeting with surmising the recent few dying Yurk incidents, and he basically just at this point looks directly at Axe, who says nothing. <laughs> so Marco immediately feeds off of, uh, goes off of Axe basically saying nothing by interjecting with saying that they're tired of Axe giving them the runaround. Uh, he goes on to continue that Tobias wouldn't tell him anything about how he showed up with a bloody shirt, because <laughs> obviously he must have promised Axe that he would not say anything. And Axe just has to be like, yeah, he, uh, he confirms that he made Tobias promise, so this pisses off Rachel, because Axe is keeping <laughs> secrets, and apparently treating them like toys that he can play with. <laughs> so this is going great. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> happy. Uh... He tries to deny that he's using them, like, you know, just as pawns, but Rachel points out that they tell him everything, but get nothing in return. And Marco presses on, asking if Yurk's icing out-of-control controllers would has happened on another planet, since Axe clearly knew it would happen, so it must have happened before somewhere. He and Rachel then trade off some barbs on him for a bit about how they show him their families and the world and stuff, and they, but he still has secrets from them, and that clearly humanity must be inferior and doesn't deserve to be treated like equals, because the lights are high and mighty. And Axe, for his part, does feel guilty about this all. He's like, yeah, this is kind of warranted uh, to not be able to tell them anything. But he has his orders to obey the law, though he can't bring, he can't really say anything. He can only bring himself to simply say he cannot answer their questions because he has to follow the rules. Good job explaining things, Axe. <laughs> <laughs> Cassie asks if, this, if he really actually does have to follow the law because Elvanger could have violated these rules <laughs> when he gave them the morphing tech. But Axe isn't his brother and just uh, admits that he's just some, like, no-name cadet in training. 
Marco wants the truth of what he and Tobias were up to and not the sob story, and Axe does tell a tiny bit by saying that they have a law about giving non-endolites their technology, which at least is something. Jig says that he can understand this, but why does that stop him from saying other things like what the Yurks would do to free controllers, or where humanity even fits in this whole intergalactic war? <laughs> because, you know, fair, fair questions to ask. Uh, Marco and Rachel think it's about power and controlling humanity, but Cassie narrows down... God, I almost said Cassidy. Why do I always think her name is Cassidy? <laughs> but yeah, Cassie narrows down on how it's all about guilt, since Axe had mentioned in passing the night prior that everyone carries some guilt. <laughs> so, she's, she's figured things out immediately. <laughs> Axe does admit that once the Endolites were kind when they should not have been, but refuses to clarify, which Jake cannot accept. <laughs> He... And Mar Marco Marco thinks this whole shit about guilt and shame is ridiculous, but he's she's she's right though. Yeah, it is. she's right. <laughs> I mean, if you are paying attention to Axe's response here, it's like yes, yeah, she is square on the money. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Jake effectively discharges Axe because if he cannot be honest with them, he cannot be a part of them. And Axe understands this and genuinely thanks them for everything they've done for him, but also says that even if it didn't go this way, they likely would not have been together for longer anyway. And he knows that Tobias understands what he means by that. He's and at that, gonna Axe, die. Yep, at that, Axe Lee is pretty bummed out. <laughs> Hooray! I do, I do have a complaint here. Mm -hmm. uh, slowly, feeling as if my clumsy human legs were made of a heavy earth metal called lead. Lead is everywhere! <laughs> yep. Lead is just, like, everywhere. It's what, it's what radioactive stuff decays into. Yeah. It's, it's everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> My understanding, isn't it like the second most common metal in the universe? Yes, pretty much. Because because the thing is that like so lead lead happens when when radioactive substances decay into argon. Uh, no no uh, no no not argon but radium. No sorry no radon sorry radion uh, radon which is a noble gas that is also radioactive and then that decays into lead deposits. So like lead is everywhere. Anywhere there's radioactivity, <laughs> there's lead. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's I hate it when science fiction does this. Clearly, only on Earth, nowhere else. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So, chapter eighteen, which I've called "Reflections in the Meadow," um, we start with uh, Axe quoting the Rolling Stones: "You can't always get what you want, but if you try, sometimes you might just find you get what you need." <laughs> A famous human named Rolling Stones <laughs> said that. <laughs> famous historian uh, Rolling Stone. Gotta yeah. love him. <laughs> I don't even so, know what this quote book is. Rolling Stones and E.T.? Like, who... <laughs> yeah, I got no clue. Um, <laughs> so, Axe, I mean, these days we can just, like, find that shit on the internet, so we don't have the need for quote books. Maybe this was a thing in the 90s that I don't yeah. remember because it was too young. Um, anyway, the morning ritual is... Not what Axe is doing this morning, because that's a normal time thing, and this is not a normal time. This is the day that Axe is pretty sure he's going to bite the bucket, uh, which isn't... I, I know I'm mixing metaphors there, I'm sorry, whatever. Um, so, th this ritual is a little bit different, because it ends with him like doing like, a self-sacrificial gesture where he puts his tail blade to his throat, um, and then basically declaring that his life isn't his own when the people have need of it. Uh, Tobias is there, and he says um, that the ritual's different, uh, that he didn't step into the water this time. Uh, and 
Tobias, uh, sorry, the axe agrees that it's different. He's also a little bit peeved that Tobias is there, but like, Tobias lives here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, y'all are you roommates. If you didn't want Tobias to be here, you probably should have, like, gone a little bit downstream to do this. So you can't, you can't, you can't just do, like, you can't just do fucking private stuff in the common spaces and then, like, expect <laughs> mm-hmm. your roommates not to see it. It's, it's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's not like Tobias can see for what two five miles when he's up there. Like yeah, yeah. Like you gotta you be secret about this if you want it to be a secret. <laughs> yeah. Um. So there's a little exchange where Tobias is like, "You're really gonna do this?" Because Tobias knows what's up. Um. And then he says it's kind of cold blooded just to go out and assassinate someone. But then, uh. I think rightfully so, Axe is kind of pissed at this. He's like, assassinate? He killed my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's, he's infesting humans by the handful. We gotta, we gotta take him out. Yeah, yeah. Also, um, also it's like, yeah, you should basically know by now, Tobias, that like, y'all haven't really been able to fight this guy in a straight fight. You have to get a little bit smarter about this rather than just being like, I guess I'm gonna show up and declare myself and fight this guy, right? Yeah, but no. to, be, to be fair, this isn't, this isn't smart. This isn't smart what I he's mean, doing. No, it's, it's, he's a teenager a... still. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it is, it is literally a suicide mission. And, yeah. and but it's, like, it's, still, not... it's still at least more thought out than their usual, like, ah, I guess we're going to try to find them as best we can. Well, well, to that end, Tobias does say he's not criticizing that he's a predator himself, but, mm-hmm. like, he needs help to do this, and the others are willing to help if he'll tell them what's up. Um, and... Max says that he can't tell them what's up, or Jake might forbid him from doing that. Uh, so he can't he can't tell them, or Jake might say no. Uh, and then Tobias is like, "Wait a second. So like, if Jake said no, then you would just not do it." And then um, Axe says, uh, "Like you know, of course he's, he's my prince." But then he says, "Like um, then uh, Tobias responds, well, what, what what if Jake tell, told you just to tell him everything?'" And then he says, "Well, then I'd be breaking the law, and a prince can't." order a subordinate to break a law because everyone is under the law uh so this this will give tobias an idea but we're not there yet (laughs) an idea that i kind of don't like we'll get there when it comes up but i don't Uh like that um so i i do i think i think i think it was the smart thing to do but I feel like they have an yeah. opportunity here, and they're going mm. out of the worst way possible. But I yeah, guess, yeah. <laughs> well, Tobias Tob- 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 says like, well, if Jake is your prince, I guess he's mine too in a way. Um, but you know, he doesn't think of himself that way. And uh, Axe says, yeah, he he doesn't. He he realizes that. Um, and Tobias says like, don't you have a duty to tell your prince what you're doing? And then Axe is like, well, yeah, but I guess I'm not a very good warrior. Also, uh, also so, to, be, to be fair. I, I kind of see that as like a little bit of like, shouldn't you be appropriating my culture here to report to your prince? It's like uh, he's not technically your prince, Tobias. Just because he's a leader, that doesn't mean that you have to follow the same custom of telling him. <laughs> I think I think that it's like I don't think that appropriation really applies here because like Axe is operating from the the systems that axe has put down but by doing so he's also kind of putting those systems on jake so jake is not like jake is specifically not trying to appropriate anything yeah i think i think i think it's less about um 
appropriation and more about how Axe approaches the concept of leadership mm-hmm. and duty. And I don't think that he can necessarily blame Tobias for then basically taking on the same sort of schema. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, I like if it's like okay, this, this, this is the paradigm in which you're operating, and therefore the paradigm in which you're like sort of sort of acting so you can't really blame me for acting in the same paradigm that's what he's doing he's not being like uh no appropriation is a complicated concept it's 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 like operating through another like understanding and operating through another culture's way of doing things is is different if you're doing it respectfully than like i don't know fucking dressing up in a, in a headdress at a Halloween party. It's yeah, like the equivalent of yeah. like someone wearing a purple heart and then going, look at me, I'm an American. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, yeah. yeah. It's, um, like, it's like a little bit more, well, uh, Axe is already doing this to Jake by assigning him as his prince. So it's like, well, if you get to do that, I guess I can also treat like, Jake as my prince for later. <laughs> yeah, if, if, if we're if we're operating under this paradigm and, and that's that's the thing that you're expecting to do, then I'll play by your rules. Mm-hmm. And Yeah. Uh uh so like cause cause this is a promise. Like what what what, what Tobias is trying to do is trying to essentially find a way to get out of a promise that he made to Axe. Mm-hmm. But in order to do that, he has to do it in a way that Axe would agree with. So if he plays by Axe's rules, you know what I mean? Yeah. If I play yeah. by your rule, then I have a loophole. <laughs> yeah. You can't get pissed um, about it. I used your own system against you. That's just, just you doing it to us first. <laughs> I think the other way. I think the other way he could do it is if he were to be like, "Okay, I made you the promise under the condition that it wouldn't hurt any of my friends, but this is hurting my friends, specifically you." So. <laughs> That's true. They did have a whole thing about whether they were friends or not. Yeah. Um. So that's another direction he could take, but I think I think either one works. Um, so, but 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 Axis like says I'm not much good at anything, which is again this is a, a theme, a through line that I've noticed in this book. Tobias said he doesn't think that's true, um, and uh, Axe then says like, "Will you break your promise? Will you will you keep the secret?" And then he says, "I won't tell anyone." Um, and Axe asks Smith will follow him, and Tobias says he won't. Uh, and he says that if, 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 if he doesn't return, uh, just in case, tell everyone that, that he's sorry he couldn't tell them everything, but that there's a reason for that. And Tobias says he would, you know, bitterly. And then he says, good luck. Uh, so Tobias leaves, sorry, so Axe leaves. He, he runs, and it's miles to where Visser 3 is going to be. It's a meadow. It's a meadow that, that um, Visser 3 has returned to to feed over and over again. Um and uh, uh, while this is happening, Axe is thinking about like what his people are gonna think, you know, uh, if if he dies, the that he broke the law, but he finished off Visser Three, or if he dies, maybe it'll be that he was he was uh, he was dishonored because it wasn't courage that sent him in Visser Three, just despair, or he was just a young fool trying to live up to to his like his brother's shadow, you know, the poor thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's like thinking about all the things that people will say about him after he's gone. Um, then he arrives, uh, in, in the meadow and it's, it's far away from any sort of civilization. Um, it's beautiful, you know? 
Sorry, this is kind of what I meant earlier when I said they had an uh-huh. opportunity and were going about this in the best way possible. Like, uh-huh. it's super easy to make napalm. All you gotta do is fill this meadow and then throw a match for me. As established in uh, a certain other podcast, yeah, apparently. How would you get all the napalm there, though? That'd be a, that'd be a schlep. That would be the hard part, but if you could find, like, yeah. an old metal tub that you could use to... <laughs> Uh, so... who, who can say where it was that that was discussed on another podcast? I don't, I don't know where that could have been. <laughs> so uh, he arrives at the meadow and it's beautiful. I love the way Kay Applegate uh, describes natural vistas because it's all very like, um, like a diorama almost. Like we have two deer grazing and also there's squirrels and also a skunk it's like <laughs> it's like an, a wildlife illustration of like a biome you know it's you never see this in real life you never see just like a bunch of different animals hanging out together uh but you do in the animorphs <laughs> um so I, ju- I just find that funny um so he has a while uh, before the time that Eslin gave him that Visser Three would generally show up. Uh, and he has a plan. So he knows, um, he, he knows where, um, Visser Three is gonna be, because he knows how Andalites feed. So he figures, like, okay, which way would I go? And so he goes down to the stream, because there's water there, it's clean water, and he actually does see hoofprints. Um, Andalite hoof prints. So he knows that this is where Visser 3 goes to feed. Um, and he's, he, he knows the exact morph that he's going to use, which is the rattlesnake. So he shifts rattlesnake and we get a morphing his gross description. That's really long. I'm going to skip it. <laughs> but, uh, the gist of it is that Axe becomes a tube. <laughs> uh, and, and now he's able to taste the air. Um, and I could go, well, actually, it's the, not the tongue that tastes the air, it's the Jacobson's orbit on the top of the snake's mouth. And yeah, I just did. but that so, doesn't necessarily uh, know that. He, he's, he's from other space. He doesn't know how rather Well, I think, I think, I think, I would imagine that you, that a, a snake would not experience the sense of taste on the tongue. I would imagine that a snake would experience the sense of taste. Because what happens is they, they stick the tongue out, they grab the air particles, and they rub their tongue along an organ on the roof of their mouth. And that's the thing that actually registers the sense of taste or smell or, you know, whatever it is. So, well, I mean, hey, I was, um, I was correct here uh, from last week. Uh, grabbing that rattlesnake morph on a whim would come up in this yep. book. Yep. <laughs> Turns out it always I mean, happens. it's Chekhov's snake, right? Yeah. Um, so... I appreciate, though, that at the very least it's like a thing that semi-randomly happened and it wasn't, we need a new morph for this mission. Because that's the first time that's happened in a while. Yeah. 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 Uh... <laughs> Chekhov's a skun? No. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've tried to big um, snake gun and it's like, well, the yeah. gun doesn't really work. Well, so it's, 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 it, it's... Phonetics are important when it comes to puns. Yeah. Um, Indeed. So... Uh, yeah, so he, I, I do want to mention that, like, what the, the experience is that, you know, Axe is having when, when, he, when he's morphing, which is when, when the snake mind takes over, it's, it's slow, calm, and deliberate, you know. Snakes are patient. Snakes are, are alert, uh, but patient, and they, they're calm, deliberate killers, so he's, he's getting that, uh, and he's seeing weird colors, 
with uh with with the eyes and he's like smelling uh grass earth insects living warm-blooded creatures the snake wants to eat um this is a a good morph to use because it's 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 silent it's stealthy it's deadly uh and it also feels vibrations in the earth and he starts hearing or feeling this vibration of a bug fighter landing and another um just two but they're not far away and he knows that Visser 3 is on the way and he's prepared to kill and he's prepared to die. Uh, I've called chapter 19 uh, Liberty or Death. I think that it's actually, we, we, we get the Liberty or Death quote actually before in chapter 18. No, never mind. Where is it? We get a Liberty or Death quote. It's not, it's not in this one though. I think it's in the next one. Um, yeah, it's in the next one, but I think this one actually fits better. Yeah. So. Yeah, especially I call this like, one liberty or death. Yeah, it's it's interesting because like he gives that quote after the events are yeah. already transpired, and we cut the later in the day in chapter twenty. <laughs> yeah, so it's like a it's a little, um, a little overdue. To, actually, maybe he didn't get to that point in the quotes book yet. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It it depends. Um, so before before X sees Visser three, he smells Visser three. It's it's andalite flesh, and he can't he can smell Visser three, but he can't smell the yerk. Uh, which is, I guess, different than dogs. Because uh, we got the hint in the first book that dogs could smell yurks. <laughs> um, oh, right, I forgot about that, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And if you recall, in the second book, we also got that cats can do it. <laughs> <laughs> Not weird. snakes, though. Snakes can't do it. Uh, <laughs> so he goes over the plan. Uh, he's going to strike, escape, demorph, and then go back in for the kill. Uh, once Fizzler 3 is weakened by the poison. Um, sorry, Venom. Not poison. Uh, so yeah, he, he sees Visser 3 approach over him. It's like he's now directly overhead. And before Axe can stop it from happening, uh, just without his conscious input, he starts hearing a sound, and it's the tail, the, the rattle tail. So he knows he has to strike now, um, because now he's just tipped the Visser off yeah, to his, that... his location. Like, well, at least it doesn't mess him up entirely, but it's, like, still, like, no. oops, uh, didn't realize that yeah. this would just go off automatically because of instincts. Dang. So he, <laughs> he, he, you know, he knows from experience the snake is faster than an Andalite, so he strikes, and it goes straight into Visser 3's leg, uh, and then he strikes again. And both times he pumps as much poison in as he can, uh, and then he just gets the hell out of there. He slithers swiftly away and demorphs. He also shouts demorph to himself, <laughs> which, like... <laughs> Okay, so so I mean, is if your thought speaking to yourself, isn't that just thinking? <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, he he starts to feel these changes happening. Uh, but the the Visser three is yelling at his subordinates to kill the snake. Uh, which apparently he knows what a snake is. At least he's done that much reading yeah, by now. He's, sure, he's he got uh, <laughs> yeah, he he finally uh, opened up the speaking spell that he got a few months ago. And he's like, fine, I guess I should look at this. He looked at it once and saw a snake. And he's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't um, know what cats are, but, you know, snake. But this, this intermediate form is so awkward that Axe actually stops being able to escape. He's too big to slither, doesn't have yet, yet have legs to run. And uh, there's a Hork-Vizier just a few feet away. So he figures he's going to die. That this is how it's going to end with him in a weird half-snake, half-andalite shape, uh, failing in his, his duty to kill Visser Three. But suddenly, there's a big roar, and the, the, the Hork-Vizier staggers. Um, 
his his blade arm slices the air above him without hitting axe and uh rachel's there um she's a bear and she's uh standing on her hind legs taller than the hork vizier she's got um uh her claws out and she is uh coming in to save the day uh, so Axe is surprised, of course, that Rachel's there because he wasn't expecting any of his friends to be there. Um, and, uh, Rachel does, like, a little sarcastic thing when, when, when he asks if, 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 uh, if that's Rachel. He says, no, it's Spokey the Bear. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, tells him to finish morphing and then they're gonna go k- kick some, kick some, quote, yerk, but, uh, I, f- I feel like, I feel like this is, this is censored for our benefit. I don't think yeah. kids in the 90s would which talk is, like that. Which is weird, because, like, they've, they've had, like, swears before, like, hell and stuff like that. And it's like, no, again, again, like, I know hell, hell, really hell, that. hell has a place, is not a swear. But, again, as a kid growing up in the 90s, I was always told, no, hell's a swear, even though they talk about hell. Is... Well, I was also told... <laughs> hell is situationally a swear, if you are using it in specific ways, but that has not happened in these books. We have only discussed hell the place. I guess. No, the teenagers, let them say ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yes, I do agree with that. They should be able to say ass. Um, so Let Rachel suddenly... swear. Let her at least swear. She deserves it. <laughs> the reason they're not allowed to say ass is because you know if they were allowed to say ass, they would be calling Axe ass man all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, actually. <laughs> Especially in this case, rather than so... saying you and the light idiot, it would be like, you ass man. <laughs> so... My name is Axe, or Axe man, not ass man. No, it is now. <laughs> so, suddenly there's a tiger, and it's Jake. And also a hawk, and it's Tobias. Anyway, um, so there's two Hork-Vajir guarding the gunfighter, uh, the bug fighters, as Tobias announces. And then he also says there's one Hork-Vajir in the, oh, wait, no, it's dead. Uh, Cassie and Marco took it down. I don't know if we should get, give Ta- Cassie and Marco a ding for that. We don't know that the Hork-Vajir is dead. Um, but it's definitely down. Kind of depends on whether Cassie or Marco killed the Hork-Vajir, because I don't think Cassie in Wolf Morph could really... I mean, it depends. Really... She she got a ding for killing Hork Bajir in the in the Rachel book as the wolf. Cause... No, what I mean is I don't know if she could take down a Hork Bajir in a way that didn't kill the Hork Oh, Bajir. I see. Yes. Yeah. Marco could because Marco has has big fists. Um, <laughs> he could just punch but... him in the face. So I don't I don't think we should give Cassie or Marco a ding for that just because we didn't get a confirmed kill. I'm inclined um, to agree. That's how we usually do yeah. things. Yeah. Uh. So. Uh. Rachel tells Axe to come along with her because they're going to go and confront Visser 3. Um, Axe says he's, he's his responsibility, and then Rachel's like, oh, yeah, he's all yours. <laughs> um, so Rachel's just going to go up to go to back him up. Uh, Axe, I imagine privately, it doesn't say privately, but I imagine privately says to Tobias uh, that he, he like, he, you, you told them he's accusing him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Tobias is like, yeah, I got the idea from you. You said to you had to obey your prince and i guess that jake is my prince too so i so he ordered he ordered me to tell him i i, uh, I meant, so he, like, like for some reason i interpret this as like device being like well you know i do know from max that his prince could order him to say stuff and you're kind of the prince of us jake so like trying to egg him on of like you could order me to say it, <laughs> rather than having to. Yeah, about I feel yourself. like that's probably what happens. Maybe like, not. Maybe not like quite being as obviously. Like, Jake, I'm but... giving you all the clues. I can't just tell you outright to tell me to tell you. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Have solved it, Mr. Jake, man. <laughs> well, that's the thing is that, like, yeah. Uh, so, 
Like this, this is not protected by Andalite law. This is protected by the promise that, that Tobias made to Axe. But Tobias can break that promise in any situation where Axe could break that promise. So like if 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 Axe made the same promise to Tobias and then Jake ordered Axe to spill the beans, then Axe would have to do that. So obviously Axe can't get mad at Tobias for this because it's exactly what Axe would have done. <laughs> I, I kind of that's kind of how I read it. I kind of envision at some point Axe is like going through its head about all this stuff and just like it's actually a little bit too annoying, confusing to just be annoyed about this. So sure, <laughs> yeah. I I can rationalize um, this away if you say so. It's it's just exhausting. <laughs> And then, and then Axe is like, how did you even know where to go? Uh, like, I never told you. And then Tobias is like, uh, duh, there was a note. Hawkeyes. <laughs> but they mentioned it was dark in there. They mentioned it was dark in there, so they, like, the Hawkeyes weren't useful. Well, it's like... <sighs> Unless Axe, and those were, like, it... later on when Axe was, like, leaving and carrying the note, and, like, Tobias just happened to see it that way. <laughs> um, maybe. So, uh, we get, uh, the some more of this fight scene um no one really like uh dies or anything but um we do see viscer 3 stagger the venom is starting to take effect i don't think rattlesnake venom works this fast i think rattlesnake venom is a necrotoxin it kills flesh like you you're not gonna have any effects this quickly eventually though your wherever was bit is gonna start to yeah, turn I black ju- i just looked at the uh, the, uh mm-hmm. the, 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 most deaths occur between six to 48 hours after the bite <laughs> Yeah, yep. anti-venom mm-hmm. treatment is yeah. given within two hours. The probability of recovery is greater than ninety-nine percent. <laughs> now, is that still true for a deer? Yeah, oh, yeah, that is true. It's about maybe, people, and also like I mean, maybe, as we know, maybe like, andalites are super like super uh, yeah, susceptible to yeah, they're they're weak, for some they're weak to poison. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, so. Well, yeah. See, they're they're weak. They're they're clearly andalites are a plant element creature, so they yeah. are vulnerable to necrotic damage. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, sure. Yeah, they're, they're grass fairy types, <laughs> so they have quad resistance. Um, or quad weakness. <laughs> so, Viscer 3 is... Uh, Viscer 3 is finished. Um, so, Axe yelled this out to the hork and this routes them. They're, able to, they're basically convinced, okay, well, our boss is dying, so we should probably leave. Um, and they do. Uh, but Tobias sees something that he's very not happy about. He dives down at full speed, plummets toward the earth, and then just screams, no, 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 no! Uh, and uh, Jake asks him what what's up, and then Tobias says, he bailed. Uh, Visser 3 just got out of out of the, the Andalite's head. He's in the water now. He got away. Um, so Visser 3 escaped uh, by leaving his host. Uh, how, did they, and... how did he scoot down to the water that fast? They're, they're back in the middle of the meadow. <laughs> Uh, I don't know how, how, I don't necessarily think we know how far away they are. Yeah, like, like, um, unless... three would have landed to get to the water, that's the whole point of being here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so like... I think, I think they're by the water. I think, I also think that, like, Bjorks are pretty slow on land, but, I don't know, it could, it could be that he snuck away a little bit and Tobias only saw him, like, like right it, as soon as he got yeah, to the water. It, it might have been, like, after he told him to find the snake that he was like, I'm out, peace. Yeah. <laughs> just jumped out right Might there. have been that Tobias was distracted, not looking in that, yeah. in that direction. I mean, hawks have very good eyes, but, like, it's binocular vision, you know? They, 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 they're focusing on one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. So, like, Tobias didn't look down there until maybe Mr. 3 was right near the water. 
Uh, okay, sorry, real quick. Mm -hmm. uh, there's not definitive studies about it, but uh, anecdotal evidence suggests that deer are more or less immune to the effects of rattlesnake venom, and in fact will go out of their way to kill rattlesnakes, so... <laughs> I mean... Yeah, but this is a space deer. <laughs> yeah, this is, a, this is not a deer. It just looks like a deer, so... <laughs> I... I'm going for the closest Earth analog, okay? <laughs> yeah, but when we're talking about, like, an animal that evolved from a completely, like, shares no common ancestor whatsoever and essentially <laughs> looks like a deer entirely through convergent evolution, it doesn't really apply, you know? It's like, the shape is the same, but mm -hmm. all the biochemistry is going to be different, so. Um, yeah. Uh, so, Visor 3 is gone, but also... Visser 3's host is free, at least temporarily, and the first thing that he says is, kill me. Which, like, uh, real talk, yay. you gotta do, right? Yeah, you gotta you kill this guy. Um, you do. It's like, Both it's because... Not a, it's, yeah, it's a mercy killing, and also because you're denying the Yerks one of their greatest assets yeah. if you do. And he's asking um, you to do it. But also, yay, fun book for children. Yay! Um, <laughs> Kids book, please so, murder me. I don't want to go back yeah. to being mind controlled by brain slug. <laughs> yeah, so he just he just starts talking about like the uh, the the fact that the poison's not going to kill him in time. They're going to come back. They've they've got um, more people coming back to recover Visor Three and and this body. Um, so they have to kill him. I mean, like they don't have to. Marco's a gorilla. Just pick him up and leave. <laughs> They or, could, or yeah, that, they could just, yeah. like, leave well, with him. I mean, I guess it's because, like, I mean, they don't have the anti-venom, so it's like he probably would just pass away anyway if they did bring him with them, but it's like, yeah, you still gotta do something. Don't leave him here. That's the worst option. Well, <laughs> we also know that morphing gets rid of poison. Also, yep. Oh, yeah, they... that, yeah, duh. Uh -huh, Take him with yeah. you and have him morph into something. <laughs> he could just, like, morph something real big and then dilute the poison yeah. and then morph back. And then you, you know, have like... two Andalites on the team. Mm -hmm. You yeah. don't do I mean, what these uh, kids do and leave this guy here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I for totally forgot about that <laughs> fact. Because, like, yeah. Jake did that when he was a cockroach and he got hit with the cockroach poison. And he morphed and he was mm. fine. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, so he tries to raise his own tail to bring it to his throat and then and then kill himself. So, yay, fun book for children. Yay. But the venom makes him too weak. His tail falls limp. He can't do it. Um, so... He he thinks that like like so um Axe says that he can't he can't do it, he can't kill another Andalite. Um and then Aloran says, I understand. Uh he, he says that his his name is Aloran Semitor Koras. Um and we will learn more about Aloran Semitor Koras much later. But for now, he says he's a war he was once a war prince, and that he has a wife and two children, and that he would like them to like tell his wife and his children that he loves them um and he also uh orders axe to fight the yurks that are stronger than they think they've infiltrated the home world um which makes me think like why how i thought that yeah. mr three was the only andalite uh -huh. with yep. uh with with um uh like only york with the andalite body uh, but, you know, it's... Apparently not. Mm -hmm. I don't think we hear a lot more about that later. It's kind of weird. Oh, do we not? Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, if I may, minor spoiler, I'm pretty sure yeah. that is never a thing in any of the other books. What the fuck? Yeah. How do you drop this information of there's at least one more Yurk that has an Andalite body and they're infiltrated the homeworld and then never follow up on that? Yeah. 
I uh, think, well, and I could be wrong here, but I think the idea is that the Yerks are, like, slowly upholding the military hegemony to make the Endolites more warlike, so they're less suspicious of infiltration. But later on, that's going to pivot to, no, Endolites are just like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, at this point, they determine they should leave. Um, that, that they need to get out of there. That's That's Prince Jake's order. So... Uh, they do. There will be another time to face Fisker 3, and for some reason they can't just pick him up as a girl. Yeah. <laughs> this, is like the only, this is like the only chapter in this book that I don't like, because it's like, yep. you, take it with you and have him morph, or give him his mercy killing. This way, you mm-hmm. deny yeah. that from the Yurks, and also grant this man his request. Although, <sighs> we don't know anything about Aloran right now. I wouldn't want him to... I wouldn't want to work with him. I'm sorry, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but still, uh, like even if you don't want, like even if, uh, as you're indicating, that there might be something about this guy that ain't the greatest, mm-hmm. it's like you'd still be denying the Yurks one of their greatest assets. Yeah, the ability yeah, to morph. Yeah, you would be. It's like, yeah, you, you um, still, you still have to either if you don't, if you can't bring yourself to kill this guy as he requests to mercy kill him, just tell him like, hey, my guy, just. Here, here's a rat. Tobias, go get a rat real quick. Mm-hmm. Here's a rat. Morph into this. The poison will be gone. You'll be fine. And then we can figure out where to go from there with you. Mm. I'm not so, going to yeah. say whether anything specific about Aloran is bad or not, but I will say that he's just not a good co-worker. Like, Visser 3, yeah, the, he's... The, the being the bad boss, I think he gets a little bit of a fat from Aloran. Yeah. He, he, yeah, I, like I said, uh, the, the host affects the Yurk. <laughs> Um, but still, so again, you don't do this option of just leave him there to get re Yeah, you don't. You don't. Do one of the other two. Oh. Don't take this bad third option. It would definitely cause conflict later if they took a Lauren with them, but they don't. That's so we're not going to worry about kill that. Him. Um, again. I have called chapter 20, Zero did nothing wrong. Hey, Say the line, uh, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> so... We, we open with the Patrick Henry quote, which, like, really had more to do with Aloran's whole thing yeah. in the last chapter, but fine. <laughs> and again, they could have given him liberty by taking him with them. Yeah. This or starts with... By mercy killing him. <laughs> this starts with Axe um, basically telling everyone about the law of Ciro's kindness. Uh, Rachel asks what it means. And she has kind of like an air of skepticism. I feel like that's the that's the attitude that Rachel and Marco are entering into this with. I mean, he uh, describes her that... as having her arms crossed and everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That Axe says that they're not allowed to transfer advanced technology to another race. It's an it's one of the most important laws because at one point there was a. Uh, well, for, for, first, I'll, first I'll say that Marco is like, oh, you just want, don't want any competition, huh? You want to stay on top, huh? <laughs> you want to make sure Andalites are the big dogs in the galaxy, huh? <laughs> just also and then Prince the Jake is like, yeah. and, and then Jake's like, uh, chill out. Let, uh, let, let, let X yeah, continue. Let him finish. Um, yeah, so. Let him cook. <laughs> yeah, so X continues telling the story. And basically, Sira was at one point a Andalite warrior and scientist who was in charge of the first expedition to the Yurk homeworld. Um, and then, like, his, like uh, all the, the human animorphs stiffen, and, and Tobias flies down getting closer, wanting to hear the story. Um, 
Axe says that Ciro basically felt sorry for the Yerks. They were an incredibly intelligent species um, that really only had a the, the shitty host of the Geds to live with. They they were brought blind slugs in the mud. Um, I like how and everybody in he, fiction are just like, yeah, the, the Geds yeah. suck. <laughs> yeah. Their first fight, uh, but also they suck. <laughs> uh, nearly blind, clumsy, not very useful is what is what the 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 quote says. Um, Zero feels sorry for the Yerks. Uh, he was kind and decent and. Cassie guesses correctly that the big secret is that the Andalites are responsible for giving advanced technology to the Yerks, and it was Ciro who did this. Um, so, Axe goes on and says, and I want to quote this, because it, I, 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 think, I think the wording is important here. At first it seemed like the right thing to do, but then, dot dot dot, a species called the Nahara, there's a lot left out in that ellipsis. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of shit that has to happen in between giving the Yurks technology and then the Yurks starting an empire, and we're not getting any of that right now. <laughs> Let's put a pin in that, okay? <laughs> Do we learn more about the Nahara later on? No. <laughs> fun. No, I believe this is their only mention. Why are you bringing yeah. all so um, many plot hooks and then not nope. feeding off of them later I on? Think... <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, um, basically, uh, the, the, the Yurks do end up starting their empire, and there's a lot here that's being skipped over, but that's, that's the Andalite propaganda for you, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, then they, after the Nahara, they went on to the Hork-Bajir, and then the Taxons, and then, um, other planets, which isn't actually the case. That's... <laughs> Uh, but whatever. Sorry, it's interesting that he says that, but then it's like we never see any other species that they have besides uh, humans, or Bajir, and Taxons. <laughs> a lot of it gets retconned, I, I won't lie. Yeah, um, kind of thought that. <laughs> so, like, we, we we get, like, maybe the Yurks are earlier on in their in their invasion, later on. Um, so they started spreading, the Yurks started conquering more places, enslaving more people, um, and then uh, for a while it's just silent once once... Uh, once uh, Axe concludes his story that with, with the, the idea that this is all because of the Andalites. Um, and Marco is the first one to speak. He says, Elfango broke the law of Ciro's kindness, though, right? Um, and then Axe says, yeah, but I'm going to take the fall for that. Elfango is a great hero. Um, if, if he were to be blamed for this, his name would be destroyed. But a, a nobody heiress can take the blame without hurting anything. Um, so Rachel smiles now. Marco rolls his eyes. So these two people who are like the most against Axe are like, now, oh man, now I can't dislike you anymore. And I was, I was into that. Uh, man, now I can't be angry. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, Jake nods and says like, uh, listen, we understand this, the Ciro tried to be a good person. Uh, he, he, he had this ideal that everyone could, could go into the stars together, get along. That's not a bad thing. You know, uh, C Cassie continues and says, you don't stop hoping just cause it doesn't work out. Um, you, you get more careful, you get wiser, but you keep trying to do the right thing. Um, so Jake just says that, like, as long as, like, they don't want any technology from the Andalites, that's fine. But, like, just tell them the truth. 
be one of them. And uh, Cassie continues that maybe if they're not, you're not Axis people, they can be their, they, they can still be Axis friends. Um, and then Marco agrees with us. Marco says that Ciro did nothing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> he just hooked up with the wrong species. Although I would also disagree with that. I think that, um, again, it's more complicated than that. We'll get into that later. Yep. Uh, so, uh, Marco's like, you bring the spaceships, we'll bring the raisinets and the cinnamon buns. And I like, I like that. Yeah, we'll tell them like, space hey, and lights. <laughs> Analytes want some bros to cruise the stars with. They can, they can, they can have, they can take the humans with them. Uh, and I, I just love the sentiment. It's a little bit schmaltzy, but I'm a sucker for this kind of thing, you know? <laughs> this is why I really love the, uh, if you ever get the chance, read the, the Humanx Commonwealth. Because um, it also involves, like, humans encounter this insectoid species uh, that they're first really, like, at odds with. And then suddenly they realize, wait a second, we are a hive species who are like really, really stolid and conservative and incapable of like the changes that we need to make in order to live in this galaxy. And you humans are goddamn insane and you need someone to hold you back sometimes. So maybe we're better together, you know? Like, I, <laughs> I, it just reminds me of that, that series that I really like. Um, Makes sense. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I definitely recommend it at some point. Um, like, if, 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 if I recommend you check it out at some point. But um, honestly, a little I get a little bit mm -hmm. of human involvement vibes out of this because the endolites are so mm -hmm. stolid and emotionally repressed. And... Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like the the it, very much like in the way that the humans and the Thranks in the the Commonwealth series need each other, and the 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 humans and the Vulcans in in Star Trek have have that kind of same relationship. I think the humans and the Andalites could benefit <laughs> from each other greatly. I just really wish, like, really wish there was some species out there in actual space that could be like, hold on a second, slow the hell down, because uh, <laughs> I think we do need that. I th I think as frustrating as as the Vulcans come off in Enterprise, it's like. We need we need someone to be like, hey, maybe don't do this stupid thing you're gonna do, you know. <laughs> um, so uh, we we get this kind of conclusion that um, humans and Andalites might be from different worlds, but they both value freedom, um, and that they agree on what matters, and it doesn't matter what planet you come from um, if you agree on the important stuff, which is that, you know, human, like, like not human, but like, uh, just, um, the, 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 the sanctity of, of freedom and an agency for, for sentient life, you know, everyone in this room can agree on that. So, uh, Axe is like, uh, it's already starting. Humans are already teaching Andalite something new. Uh, they, they fight for the same battle and the same goal. Um, Rachel says that the Andalites on the homeworld might not, not like that idea. And of course there would be humans who wouldn't either. Um, which is me adding that in. Of course there wouldn't be, there yeah. would be humans who'd be like, uh, gross aliens. Yeah. Um, and, and, and of course these humans are always depicted as like the, the bad guys in science fiction. But for some reason they don't realize, wait, we're the bad guys. Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, Andalite centaur species shows up. I think there's going to yeah. be a lot more people lining up to try and date them than... Yeah, there's gonna be a lot of humans who want to fuck Andalites. That's I, true. Yeah, it's something I always think of, and it's like it's a conversation that was in like an old uh, Bombcast episode of like how soon when the humans found like alien life in Mass Effect did they try to fuck them, and it's like almost immediately, <laughs> absolutely uh, sure, uh, immediately, right? Yeah, 
five minutes into first contact. That's the that's the duality of humankind, mm-hmm. right? It's like as soon as something new and interesting shows up, uh, most people will be indifferent, and then some people will want to fuck them, yeah. and some people will want to kill them. <laughs> like it's like and it's like I ha- it's like some person out there being like, I gotta be the first. I gotta be in the history books. I gotta be the first <laughs> yeah, person to be... fuck a Krogan. <laughs> Just gotta yeah, gotta be the first. We gotta, we'll figure it out um, somehow, but I gotta be I gotta be that person. <laughs> Yep. Um, it's for science. <laughs> it's for science. Def- definitely not uh, for historical significance of like, yep, uh, uh, old, old Bob Miller was the first one to fuck an alien. It's, uh, it's, it's Jack Harkness's law. Um, so Jake asks if, if Axe is with them and, and uh, Axe says, yes, Prince Jake. And then Jake says, don't call me Prince. So ding. Yay. Uh, and then Axe says, yes, Prince Jake. Um, the last question they have is how Axe eats without a mouth. <laughs> Which I do like that they're just so direct about it, even though, like, they've already had, like, a little bit dancing around that, like, twice in this book so far before this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, so, uh, how well, do you and... eat? I have feet. And it's like, okay. Feet, yeah. <laughs> Not gonna press that. Um, so, yeah, but now, now Axe is more specific. He says he crushes the grass with his hooves and the nutrients are absorbed into the system. Uh, and they drink the same way by putting a, putting a hoof in water. And it sounds to me like they're absorbing the nutrients through the hooves, which, like, cows have four whole stomachs for this, yeah. right? They have a <laughs> super long, complicated digestive system. They th- literally throw up their food and chew it, like, three times just to make grass into a usable food source. It takes so much work and energy for that to happen. And Axe is just like, oh, I have two small little membranes on my feet What would absorb the nutrients. Yeah. And I'm like, no, no. Andalites has mouths. Andalites has mouths on their hooves, and it takes it up into some actual, like, actual stomachs and shit that, that actually, like, digest stuff. It doesn't work any other way. I'm sorry. I can't accept this. <laughs> That's like I, how I can't accept that they don't eat with their butts. <laughs> I can't. I can't accept that because eating with their butts would be stupid. But, um, <laughs> but at the same time, I didn't get a no back when I declared that. <laughs> yeah, your butt like, is at least part of your digestive system. You know I, what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> I it just works in reverse. Listen, my head cannon is not technically refuted by this. <laughs> like taking taking the, the the grass up into the body is not uh, is is not like that can be a kind of absorption. So yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying ruminants do a lot of work in order to digest, to digest grass, and uh, that unless and lights have some kind of space magic. Uh, they're gonna need to do that, do that same work. I'm um, imagining Andalites having vacuum hooves now. <laughs> sucking up all the dirt off the floor. I, I, I was also uh, imagining how, like, you know, like how Marceline drains the color red from objects? It's just that, but, like, as you walk, the grass is just all grayed out. <laughs> <laughs> I think they would have noticed that by now. You know, maybe. Yeah. I'm like, wow, how cool those grasses? Like, it's still clearly alive, but it's gray. What? <laughs> Somebody, so, somebody's doing a prank in the forest with using some gray paint, I guess. Those teens. It's actually not the. It's actually not the last question they ask because then Tobias is like, "Oh, so that's why you stick your hoof in the water during the morning ritual." And then Rachel asks, "What's the morning ritual?" Uh, and then they're just now just genuinely interested in Andalite culture. And Axe is like, "Yeah, I'll tell you everything I know." Um, so he also looks at Tobias in this moment, 
because he wants Tobias to know that he'll answer Tobias's question as well. The question of whether or not he'll ever be able to return to his, his, his ordinary, like his human body. But the question never came, never, it never comes. And he, he thinks about Tobias's words, which is different bodies from, from earlier in the conversation, different bodies, different species maybe, but who cares? We agree on what matters. And then the last sentence of this book is the first time that to, that Axe calls Tobias his shorm. Um, uh, technically not true, which again, a chapter uh, after this. <laughs> yeah, there's huh? a chapter 21. No, but I think in chapter 21, doesn't he say, where is it in chapter 21? I thought in chapter 21. No, I he's... mean, you just said that that was the last sentence of this book and there's yeah. a whole nother chapter after this. Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Can you, it's, can you give me, it's short. uh, like five minutes? <laughs> it, it, it's like, a, it's like a few sentences. It's not very long, but yeah. Um... It is, it is a little Sorry, bit strange, yeah, because, like, it really feels like this would be the end of the book, and then it's, like, also here's, like, another, like, two-thirds of a page, by the way. Yeah. But, I mean, I do want to bring up, while we're here, like, he calls Tobias his shorm here, which is important, because if you remember last week, he said that he thought that that would be the case if they were the same species. Like, if yeah. Tobias was an Andalite, then they would be shorm, but now he is just full in on, it doesn't matter that he's not an Andalite, we are... Like this is the thing. We are we're yeah. buddies now. We are bros. We are besties. We yeah. are we are literal battle battle bros. And I feel like that, that is an important like evolution of the way Axe is thinking. That's just also kind of a subtle one. So that's 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 yeah. all I want less, to talk less, about. Less lessons of of the chapter. We we have Axe being able to to call Tobias his shorm, which is also like a, a big turning point in Axe and Tobias's relationship. They get really close. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, you know, to the point where I'm pretty sure Tumblr would want to ship them before they knew. Yeah, that's actually weird in retrospect. We'll get to that. Anyway. Um... I, I have theories still about stuff, yeah. <laughs> okay, so so chapter 21 uh, is called Fuck You, I'm Gonna Do What I Want. <laughs> um, uh, so Axe has gone back to the observatory and has gotten back in contact with Eslin, um, and, uh, Eslin is pissed because Axe didn't even manage to kill Visser 3, and he's like, I'll, Axe is like, I'm gonna do it, just boot up the goddamn software. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're skipping over a very important thing of, like, yeah, you're gonna do it when I want, because if not, I'll, I'll find a way to tell Visser 3 who set him up. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I, I didn't, I didn't fulfill my end of the bargain here, uh, but also if you don't do yeah. this one solid for me, I will rat you out. <laughs> yeah, I'll rat you out, and, and so he's, he's, it's, He's extorting Eslin into helping him with this because Eslin, he has this, like, dirt on Eslin. I really wish Eslin would show up again. I like Eslin a lot. Oh, he yeah. doesn't ever come back? Ah, uh, that's a bummer. Not that I recall, but maybe. I, re I really, I really wish he'd like be like a, a yerk they could they had dirt on and like could extort <laughs> just, at just any con, time and just like, hey Eslin, do this thing for us. We're gonna tell Mister Three constantly, constantly <laughs> showing up at his door and it's like ring the doorbell and he's like, no, it's already we fucking already gone through this five times. You can't keep throwing this dummy. <laughs> Eslin ends up being like extorted into being a double agent. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh. Axe has a transition, a transmission to make, um, and Eslin needs to uh, boot up the software, or he's going to. Um, and and, and that, to be fair, Axe does like 
promise that he's going to be out of Eslin's life once he does this. So maybe that's why Eslin never shows up again, because Zack keeps that promise. But it takes a couple minutes for the Z-Space transmission to be established, which I imagine are a very awkward couple of minutes with just them standing in the same room not saying anything. Uh, and then he's, and then after that, it's a few moments before he can be connected to to, to, to Lyrum. And once he is, uh, he has a message to send. So he says he's not going to be able to call again, probably, because he needs to, like, delete the program. Um, and that he has a message to send for the wife of Lauren Semitor Koras um, from her husband. And then Lyrum's eyes go wide. Like, he knows who Lauren is. He knows what Lauren is. Um, and Axtra says that, that Aloran's, uh, that, 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 uh, Aloran sends his love to his wife and that he hopes for the day that he's going to be freed. Um, and then Lyram says, is that all you have to say? Uh, and then Axe says, no. Uh, he basically <laughs> says, uh, you tried to save the hork uh, you, like, following our laws, and then you failed, and I'm not going to let that happen to the humans. Uh, and then uh, Lyram is like, don't disobey the laws of our people, Aximili. And then um, Axe basically says, uh, the humans are also my people now. So with all due respect, no. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to do, do what I have to do in order to make sure that the humans don't meet the same fate as the hork And you can basically just kind of deal with it. Uh, and Lyram says, you are truly your brother's brother. <laughs> and uh, Axe thanks Lyrum for the compliment okay. and that's where we end so, the story so if Axe had to wear sunglasses <laughs> we wear them like this or like this because he has his eyes <laughs> i think he would have to wear two pairs yeah, of sunglasses yeah, he gets two pairs would have to be like special like monocles or something. Well, I'm, I'm imagining they just buy him two pairs he wears one like normal day when he's snapped in half it just has to like tape onto his eye stalks or something i feel like i feel like the 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 other like he wears the regular sunglasses and then he has like the um like basically like rings mm -hmm. with sunglasses like monocle projections. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm, I'm so now, they're able I'm, to move independently and they're yeah. just connected to the eye stalks. I'm, I'm now I'm now imagining Axe with these sunglasses on, like having like one hoof over his other one leaning back against like uh like a wall at like a school yeah. or something, wearing a leather jacket and just being like, Yep, I gotta I'm here, fuck it. I gotta say I uh, Axe is never more badass than he is in this chapter. He's like, <laughs> hey, uh, president of my entire planet, essentially, uh, I'm gonna break the law and you can't stop me, so... <laughs> what are you gonna do about it? I'm literally billions of light years away, fucker. Yeah. So, like, oh, yeah. Uh, Now we have to hasten getting to Earth just to berate him in person. Um... So we have to wrap up because I have something I need to do. But yeah. uh, before we do, I'd like to ask, what did you think of this book, Vivian? Uh, probably my favorite so far, besides Tobias's, I would say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Tobias's, I feel it's... like maybe still eat out a little bit, just because like Tobias's really is just like here's a trans allegory in this book. <laughs> Just from oh the, god, you're gonna love Tobias's next book so much. That, it might rival this one actually. How far along until that is that? <laughs> Uh, it's a bit. No worries. Uh, um, yeah, it's because isn't it like Tobias and Axe like rotate in and out for the rotation or something? No, Tobias is in every cycle. Axe is in every other cycle. Yeah, Axe just skips. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that's a bummer. I, like I, I could have. Yeah, it it would have made sense to me if they did rotate out, just because like both of them are clearly like kind of the like outcasts of the cast, just because like you know yeah. one's a bird and one's obviously a big space deer. So it, like it would have made sense um, to me if they just rotated out like who's 
in charge of like this rotate part of the rotation but yeah the fact that like device gets that full rotation like you say but axe doesn't is just it's a bit bummer that they don't focus as much on axe are we gonna have to have a debate about whether or not zero did nothing <laughs> wrong <laughs> No, I I think just currently it's like again like he didn't technically like when he didn't realize that things were gonna go as bad as they were, so it's like at the time yeah. he just was like, oh, I want to help this alien species that is like kind of stuck in this shitty body. <laughs> it's it's also that like when we get further into the books, um, especially when we read uh the the Hortbegier and the Andalite Chronicles, because Ciro is actually a character in the Hortbegier Chronicles. Ah. Um. So that's it, why you it, say that, like, with, that's why you were like, yeah, we'll at least have some indication of whether he did wrong or not in this point, but we can't say yeah. absolutely for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I do not I do not blame Ciro for the Yurk Andalite War at all. No, I mean because, like, like I said, that ellipses contains a lot of omitted information. <laughs> yeah, and it's also like I mean yeah. he gave them the technology; they still chose to be assholes with it. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, they, chose to, they chose to be assholes. Not, they chose to yeah. be assholes with it, uh, but also there were other things that led them to choose to be assholes with it okay. that Ciro had nothing to do with. Yeah. So, like, you you don't start a war just by giving someone technology, especially when the people you're giving technology to are essentially uh, the power dynamic is very lopsided. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, there there's. There's a bunch of stuff that 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 happens in between that that makes me think that Ciro is being completely wrongfully blamed. But we will get to that, and I don't want to spoiler it. Yeah, um, like basically, it's, it the, reads a little bit more like the Andalites as a whole, yeah. where like we need somebody to blame for this. So yeah, mm-hmm. like even mm-hmm. in this basic mm-hmm. information, they really picked him as a fucker. <laughs> yeah, like mm-hmm. yep, we don't. It's like that. Oh shit, we we messed up collectively, but it was this guy who yep. led the charge. So mm-hmm. shove it all onto him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what are we reading next time nobody well we have a little bit of wrap-up to do so in this book we had three instances of thermals they were all in these last chapters (laughs) that brings our series total up to 40 thermals and we also had two dings on the don't call me prince counter so that puts us up to five so we are sort of catching up there not nearly as fast um, next week, we will be back to read book nine, which I believe is The Secret. I really should have looked that up in advance. It, yes, it, it is, is The yeah, Secret. Yeah. Thank you, my memory. Which um, is also interesting, because like, this one could have easily also have been called The Secret. <laughs> listen, they can all be called The Secret. It's fine. I guess. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that will, of course, be our next Cassie book, which is a weird one. I'm not going to lie. It doesn't have same kind of uh, like sci-fi over-the-top weirdness that we do here, but uh, boy, howdy, things are going to get weird when Cassie gets involved. <laughs> uh, I guess, I guess yeah. it's also uh, yeah. I guess that's also part of it because like usually like in the last rotation, Cassie was fourth, and now she's third, or I guess fourth again because of Axia. Yeah. It's yep. the, the rotation's yeah. a little bit wonky, I guess in general. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. like it, it went again, Jake, then Rachel, then we had Megamorph, then Axe, and now Cassie. So it's like I guess technically yeah. the, I guess technically the order is all jacked up. <laughs> yeah, we don't have a Tobias book in this cycle for reasons I'm not entirely clear on, but that will resolve in the future. Like it'll go back to normal. Uh, okay. But yeah, um, that's uh, I think pretty much the size of it. So until mm-hmm. next time, there's not much left to say. But remember, 
Zero did nothing wrong. Zero did nothing wrong. I, I can now say, at least at this point in time, that Zero did nothing wrong. Yeah, we got there! Yeah! <laughs> it only took, what? Uh, Bye, everyone! It only took, what, like, nine, ten months, roughly? <laughs> yeah. Bye! <laughs>